0: And we are back with another Black One Cream podcast, new episode every Sunday. I'm your host, Ben Haggerty, aka Ben Real vs World. Today I have a very important guest on the show, drumroll please, weak ass drumroll. Andrew Sandler. Andrew is one of the main reasons I have success in Los Angeles and has been a dude I've literally been with day in and day out since I moved to LA, put me on since I got here. Andrew is the director of our Chris Brown documentary that has played in theaters all over the world and is now playing on Netflix. He directed our Mary J. Blige documentary, which debuted on VH1 nationwide. He has directed and produced and edited shit tons of music videos and commercials for brands and artists like Chris Brown, G-Eazy, Ariana Grande, Mac Miller, Nicki Minaj, Lani, Jordan Sparks, 2 Chainz, Usher, Rick Ross, Meek Mill, Little Romeo, EA Sports, Audi, Ferragamo, Tiffany & Co, Amazon, and many more. God damn those credits. That's a lot of credits. Andrew gave me the chance to co-edit the Chris Brown documentary about a week after I moved to LA, which excelled my career and started a unique partnership between the two of us. In this podcast, Andrew talks about growing up as a childhood actor and his early interest in film, how he started his own production company in college, and how networking landed him his first big producing gig for Chris Brown and Nicki Minaj. All of this and more on the Black With No Cream podcast. If this is your first time tuning into the podcast, you're probably wondering what does Black With No Cream stand for. Black With No Cream is a content creator group fueled by caffeine. Or at least I take my coffee, black window cream. But you can drink or not drink whatever caffeine you fuck with and still be a part of our community. We are a private group on Facebook, open to creators of all kinds. AKA if you make videos, if you're a photographer, if you do marketing, management, editing, dancing, etc, etc, etc. All creators are welcome. Our private group has been growing rapidly. We have a shit ton of members working together by sharing content, asking for feedback, passing tips and tricks along to one another with the goal of becoming the best motherfucking content creators on earth. And... You can join the group if you want by going to blackwindowcream.com slash join. We would love to fucking have you. Please join. If you're interested in supporting Black Window Cream, please go to blackwindowcream.com slash merch. We have hats, shirts, stickers, pins, and shit. They're all available in the store. I appreciate anyone who picks up some merch. We don't have any sponsors, so all that shit helps this. If you don't have the funds, I totally get it. There's another way you can support. Share the link with all your homies. And make sure to hop on iTunes and leave me a review. Every review helps this podcast grow, and it helps me as a host understand what you guys want. I appreciate you. All right, that's it. Enjoy the work week, keep creating, make sure to tune in every Sunday for a new Black Window Cream podcast episode, and without further ado, I bring to you my interview with Andrew Sandler and the most epic podcast intro ever created, right motherfucking now! Attention. If you stop this podcast recording at any time, you will die. I don't want to die. Do you want to live? Yes. You have 24 hours to share this podcast with five people or you will die. I'm kidding. You won't die. You're just weak shit for not sharing.
1: And the winner of the best motherfucking podcast goes to. <laughs> goes
0: to. Black with no cream. What do you think? It's so fucking dumb and so fucking Ben I knew you would say that. How do, you, how do you want to start? Should we do something fun? Like what? Up to you, it's you. your podcast. Like and this. we're back with another Black With No Cream podcast. I'm here with my guy, Andrew Sandler. Hey. <laughs> Andrew Sandler is, I already explained it in the intro and shit, but, you know, producer, director, um, slumlord. I live in his basement. Okay. So, yeah, Andrew, we have you on the podcast. Finally. Finally. your are episode number eight, I nice. think. I want to save you because eight is great. And... Wow. You're my mate, and I could keep going for days. And it's really late. And it's really late. <laughs> <laughs> so Andrew has had a lifetime of experience and I think can offer a fuck ton of great insight to everyone that's listening right now. Um, Andrew, can you please tell everyone about yourself? Just like a little summary, who you are, what you do. Um, your...
1: Well, uh, I'm a, a filmmaker, director, producer, creator. I've done a whole lot of things. I uh, went to USC film school. Started off in uh,
0: music videos, and yeah, now now I'm here. We're in Los Angeles, California right now. It is November 29th. I don't know which day of the week it is, <laughs> but it's that day. It's that day. Um, Wednesday. And our story right now is interesting because Andrew is basically the reason why I uh, live and breathe in California. Ha. So this is funny because it's some full circle shit. Now I get to bring him on my podcast episode, We get to talk about life, and how we get to where you are today and I'm gonna circle it into how he affected my life because I think this is an important story. But Andrew's story is really interesting because he didn't just like decide in college that well you decide you probably decided in high school and college that you want to make movies and stuff, right?
1: Uh sort of it wasn't it wasn't a, a direct path like that. You know, I kinda had to like figure out I always knew I wanted to do something with movies, filmmaking. I don't really know what. Yeah. You know, it took me
0: a while to kind of you know, zone in and figure out exactly what it was i wanted to do but what i think is interesting is that you grew up in like he, he you grew up in calabasas yeah around here yeah, somewhere yeah. woodland hills calabasas. Woodland Hills. he's been so he's from la and grew up in like this world and even acted and shit as a kid and did you did like movies like yeah you were acting in movies
1: yeah so i started uh I didn't grow up in Hollywood, which I think is different. I grew up in the Valley, but I would come to Hollywood for auditions. Growing up, I started acting when I was like uh, maybe nine years old, and I stopped when I was about 15. So during that time, you know, I would go on auditions all the time, sometimes like three auditions a day. I remember like, my mom would drive me, pick me up from school and drive me straight out here, and we would just hit auditions, commercial
0: auditions, TV auditions, movie auditions um were you hungry for those like you were you were like actively like oh shit or was this like more of your family's decision like no not
1: at all something i i wanted to do that's so crazy um i just i just love like i love watching movies i love watching movies but it wasn't until like i booked my first role when i was on set and i just thought it was the coolest thing in the world because at 10 years old and you're on this you know movie set and you know how crazy it is with all these moving pieces and people and like and you see it come to life for the first time, I was just, like, instantly hooked. And that's why I wanted to keep doing it. It wasn't so much, like, I think for the art of acting. It was just because I love the process. But it wasn't until later on when I started, when I picked up my own camera and right, I, right. I, I did it myself that I realized, like, oh, shit, it wasn't really the acting that I loved this whole time. It was the process. So was that's, what was process. the
0: first thing that, like, got you into acting? Like, what, how did that start? Um like fucking like nine years old. Like, someone, you just saw a random casting or something?
1: Um... I management? remember exactly yeah I got management so it was something that I wanted to do I brought up to my mom and we actually we went out and got headshots which is like the first step to doing anything basically is mm-hmm. like you need headshots because back in the day it wasn't like there was Instagram or Facebook or anything like that it was like you actually had to take headshots I remember like you had to you know print out the stack of like 100 200 whatever and that's what you would like send out that's what you would carry with you to auditions. your headshot and resume but I got lucky because the photographer uh, who took my very first headshot, happened to also be an acting manager, Kristen. Oh, shit. Know. Yeah. Shout so, out to Kristen.
0: Kristen's a man. Hopefully he's listening to this. Yeah. That's tight. Yeah,
1: so he was he was the photographer for my first headshots, and he was also an acting manager. And just throughout the day, from him being able to direct me just from uh, my headshots, he saw something in me and was like, you know, told us at the end of the day, you know, I also manage, you know, let me, let me, you know, send you to the right acting class, and we'll try and, and you know, pick things up. So then, from there you know i went to acting class from acting class they recommended me to an agent and it kind of just like all fell into place because of that one day, I just ha- we happened to literally like go through the white pages back then of photographers, picked a random one. And it happened to be him, who's still like my mentor and like best friend till this day. It's That's crazy, fucking insane. Just ra- literally randomly just picked.
0: But no, was anyone else in your family at the time like acting? Where no Nobody. one, else it was came? completely foreign That's to my so family. Random. Like
1: completely. Like my dad did not understand it. He only he only under- like understands it like now. Like maybe in the past year. Finally like <laughs> he gets it. But like nobody in my family understood I was the first one. But That's my mom so my fun. mom was like always super supportive of anything I wanted to do. So it wasn't even a question. It were was you playing like,
0: sports and shit at the same time?
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean I was nine years old. Yeah, I was playing I think yeah, I was playing all sports, but I think mostly soccer. Hmm. And then I played soccer in high school too, and you know, balancing all of that. So were you like leaving soccer practice to go and do oh, yeah. acting? It was it was the weirdest thing in the world to my friends, I think, at the time. That's so cool. And crazy. then especially when like I started booking um i think the first things i booked were were commercials i want to say like washington mutual commercial polaroid commercial were the first polaroid commercial yeah that's so dope yeah Yeah, i remember it was like a like a summer camp theme
0: and it was but was it like a huge set like oh yeah it was a national commercial both of them what's that like like how big is how big of a set is that like for a kid walking on set you see is it like Because now things are different. Everything's digital. It's probably uh, less workload. I mean, there's still big sets, but like back then, what was that like?
1: I mean, back then when you're on a commercial set of that magnitude, it's like, I mean, I think even back then they like, I want to say they were still shooting on like big ass film cameras or, or was just like the first version of like the video camera That's so it's like you're, crazy, you're all this massive equipment things now are like much smaller we figured out how to like yeah, yeah downsize everything but back then it's like and they have every toy there so it's like even if you don't use it they still have the techno crane on set they still have like the steady cam guy off to the side they have trucks of equipment and sometimes you don't even touch it but because but <laughs> so but they just have it there because
0: yeah. you know why not so and the like, budgets you know, are probably budgets like, are like insane yeah damn yeah so you do commercials and that leads into like film yeah. How Did you, like, okay, if you book a commercial, are you instantly thinking, like, I want to go from commercials to film? Is that, like, the goal for you? But you're just like, dude, this is tight. I'm just acting. Yeah,
1: I mean, back then I was so young, I, I don't think I really thought the way. I just thought it was just so cool to be on set. And yeah. any, any way I could be on set, I wanted to do it. I didn't really think of, like, it wasn't until maybe I got a little bit older in my teens where, you know, I booked my first uh, movie, Million Dollar Kid, um, which is, like, a Disney-type movie. And that was the first time I was on set for more than, like, one or two days at a time. Um, I think that was it must have been, like, a two-month shoot because I was, like, the, the lead actor of it. They, like, so that was a crazy experience. Yeah, so exactly. So I was, like, taken out of school for two months. And as a kid, that's, like, the coolest, coolest thing in the world. Yeah. You know, and, like, especially, like, when your mom picks you up early from school to take you to an audition, you just feel like the coolest... And with McDonald's... Yeah. Like, you just feel like the coolest kid in the world.
0: But you're saying, like... you're Like, okay, were kids understanding at that point, like, oh, shit, he's going to be a huge movie? Or are you trying to explain, like, dude, I got to leave school because I'm going to go do this massive fucking movie?
1: I don't think anyone really, like, understood it until, like, that first movie came out. And even then, like, not everybody saw it. Yeah, I mean? So it wasn't funny. it was it was just a, a weird thing. But but also by the same token, like being from LA wasn't such like a foreign concept. You know, I was gonna people say, like it, like in my school yeah. Like some people had you know parents who were actors and producers and directors, so it wasn't like a completely foreign thing. I think it was just weird when I was like taken out of school for two months or like right. picked up you, you know from school early or were other had, kids acting was studying like, that? like my, my you know my sides at lunch. Nah, no, no, no one studying ever. Studying really your knew. lines at lunch? I mean sometimes, yeah. That's fine. You got a same day audition and and back then it wasn't like you know, you, they could just shoot you an email. It's, like, they, like, literally, Damn. like, had to fax you sides. I remember, like, my mom had to, like, literally, like, bring, like, fax the size of the, the school. Yeah. Or to the house and, like, literally bring me my sides at lunch. Because I had, like, a, a three great. o'clock audition. Damn. Yeah. Fuck. But, yeah. But, I, I mean, I wasn't, like, a huge child actor, though. You know, I just have, like, these memories of, like you know, doing every once in a while, but it wasn't like...
0: But you did, uh, you were the lead in that, like, that was, you're on the fucking cover, because yeah. it's funny that someone posted in Black Rose. and I posted the cover of the thing, but like, I'll post it in the show notes too, so you can see us. but you were like, I remember not too long ago, when we were editing, and um, I think Shannon had found the VHS copy of it, and yeah. like brought it to work one day, and we were all like, what the fuck, and it's like you on a VHS, like, Richie Rich style shit, like, that was like, crazy to see, Yeah. but were, were you like... Seeing kids amongst you that were also acting, like being from that area or whatever, or or maybe w- was it just more like their parents had found success in like acting and shit? You know what I mean? Like,
1: uh, no, I mean like I had like my acting friends outside of my school friends. Yeah, um, I didn't have a ton of school friends. I was kind of a, a, like a loser. Yeah, and I was always like a little bit more like mature, I guess, for my age because I was always doing this this kind of stuff. I was gonna say I can't. So I grew up like pretty quick science. because I'm like, w- you know, having to interact with adults all day and mm-hmm. you grow up really quick because of that. Um, so I had like my acting friends separate from like, school friends. My acting friends would live like you know North Hollywood or Burbank, all over the place, and we'd go to the same acting classes. We'd see each other at the same auditions and became like, you know, friends through that medium. But it was it was cool to have uh, other people like your age to be able to like connect to and going through the same experiences as that you are because it's a weird process. Yeah, I was gonna say that how age, do you know? how you're do you, going into you auditions, that? You're going into casting sessions with people you don't know. I mean, you just get you get used to it. It's just like anything, you know. It's like. Yeah, you, know, you, you practice. But it. were you
0: ever, you know, because you're acting like someone else. So as as a kid, you don't have that much experience to understand what someone else's life could be like. Say you had to play a role of, I don't know, fucking traumatized kid. Like you have to learn how to do that shit. So have you? Did you have any experiences like that as a kid?
1: um no but i mean like i went to acting class and and things like that i mean there's a reason why i stopped acting (laughs) (laughs) you know it was (laughs) like i kind of hit a certain point where it's like all right all like the the cute little kid roles are over and now we're starting to take on like maybe more serious matter that that i you know wasn't ready to take on as an actor because i don't think i was like an like an actor like by trade i was just kind of like fell into that because i loved the process of it like i said but that that led me to like be able to be on set and as an actor, you're not always in every scene, obviously, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's like sometimes I'd be able to just like sit on the sidelines and just watch everybody work. And to me, like that's when I really found my passion because to, you know, fast forward, um, I got to be in Minority Report with Steven Spielberg and that was just a crazy experience to me because I I was like 15 years old at the time. So I was older at that point. I was kind of like right at the tail end of like when I was getting overacting and trying to, you know, transition into something else and being able to just watch him After, like, watching his movies forever, like, we all grew up on him, right? Right. And just to be able to sit on set and watch him, he actually, my part was actually, I think, think only, like, a three-day part. And he had me stay on set for, like, three weeks just because he's super cool and, you know, knew that I wanted to do this, like, for the rest of my life. So Damn. I got to be on set for three weeks in Minority Report and just watch everything.
0: So what, you shoot your parts, like, the, right away, and then you just got to chill for the next, like, three um, weeks? Or, I think or? I
1: ended up, like, being spread out over yeah. a week, but he kept having me stay because he never, like, he didn't know if he wanted to, you know, shoot more scenes or add me to something or whatever the case was. I just remember being there for more, like, longer than I was supposed to. I just, like, have that memory. And I thought that was that was super cool that he took the time out of his day to, like, you know, pull me aside and,
0: like, have conversations with me. Steven fucking yeah. Spielberg. That's crazy. Yeah. I'm going to post that photo in the show yeah. notes, too, because that's a trip to see yeah. young Andrew with fucking – You know what I was, was doing when I was 15 <laughs> or, like, a kid? do ki- playing, like, kickball and talking shit and being nervous afterwards because yeah. I get a detention. I mean, I was
1: still doing that, too, though. Like, I was still playing soccer and I was still being a kid at the same time. So it was, like, a weird a weird balance yeah. I had to find. You know, it was, like – you know, I played high school soccer uh, all four years of, of, of high school – um so i mean i still had to like find that balance yeah true
0: and it's kind of like anything it's a hobby it's like playing extreme sport like if you were skateboarding or something it's your side hobby you want to think about it all the time you were just doing that yeah so i can't imagine me like ever sitting there in the lunchroom thinking about reading sides like you know yeah. what are my lines for this fucking audition like that's crazy yeah okay let's It was crazy leave... i've not talked about this in like, i know that's what forever, i'm saying because it's so, think about crazy like, I'm, like me, accessing
1: parts of my memory right now that I haven't like touched in
0: i know in, like But it's funny because me and Andrew, like not too long ago, we were sitting there and we were showing each other our first bodies of work, which is like so fucking humiliating because Andrew is like in LA. So automatically, I feel like shit's just better here. And it's so funny to compare the two because mine was just trash, shot like trash and I didn't understand it. But you had already lived in commercial worlds, movie worlds. You've seen like, you understood what why lights were important and all this shit that in the Midwest is like we don't have access to that or understand how important that shit can be. So... My last question before we can leave your childhood, because I know yeah. you probably hate talking about <laughs> this shit. How the fuck do you get to make money? How do you make your money as a kid actor? Like, how do you fight for? It? I mean, I guess it's on your manager. I mean, they, have, they
1: have laws, but as, as you know, it's not like I was bringing in like
0: anything, anything crazy. But I mean, like you know, you play, you do a role. They're taking you out of school for two months, like. Do, yeah. Is so it's just set in place that you just have to follow the law that oh kid actors get paid this much money and this is how long they can work well I mean and, it's the
1: same thing as now you know SAG yeah. SAG is the union so yeah. if you're part of SAG which you had to be to do any of the jobs I was doing which I was a part of they have like the minimum wages and they have all the same things they do now the contracts yeah. of like you know low budget productions and national commercials and they have their own set did any of that shit go through your mind ratings.
0: at the time like were you thinking like oh I wasn't thinking about money at, at all. all yeah you had no idea at all yeah. that's so funny yeah that's crazy. But, yeah, so then, you know, you start going throughout high school, and when do you pick up your first camera when that happened?
1: Um, so, in my high school, they offered a, a film studies class. Mm-hmm. It wasn't a production class. It was film studies. Um, and that kind of – it wasn't the first time I picked up a camera, but it incentivized me to start creating short films. So, we would – every week, it was, like, second or third period or whatever, um, we would watch a different movie, but, you know, different, you know, genre or period or whatever and learn about – um everything about that film but we'd also have assignments where we'd have to create short films hmm. um and that uh i think i told you I've, I've actually found the short like one of my first short films i made is like a junior that like won our high school i won like best cinematography and best director <laughs> and and
0: best film this motherfucker's been out here winning awards since yeah. fucking <laughs> what five? what the yeah. fuck yeah. But so, I mean, it wasn't like But was, it was was that it was, the one you sent me that was maybe like there twenty was like, minutes? You
1: know, four films like submitted. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I yeah. need to watch that still. Yeah. Okay. So I mean it's just all, like on a, a regular like digital camera. It wasn't anything crazy, but I just like I was so obsessed with it at the time to learn like everything about it. And I was obsessed with like noir films, like neo-noir mm-hmm. films. And so this film was like black and white neo-noir. And um I just remember like learning everything about lighting. It wasn't like I had any crazy gear um or anything you know I remember getting like my my first lighting kit and like yeah. experimenting with it but I was just reading every single book I can and like researching everything I could about how to sh- you know how to use it and it, I was it's not so much about the equipment but I think that being on set so much as a kid kind of desensitized me to the process where it didn't feel like such a foreign concept right right so like the camera moves and everything they were doing on set that was learning over the years, you know, like, when do you do a dolly move? When do you punch yeah, it? In? Yeah. When do you, you know, because all those things are used for emotion and to tell right. a story. They're all things I knew. And they're things I started implementing in my, my own work super early because it's not about the gear. It's just about, like, how you use it, obviously. Yeah. So it's, like, the same moves they're doing on on one of my, you know, commercial sets as when I was an actor you know, like they would, you know, do a dolly in, right? I would, I remember like making my own dolly with like skateboard wheels and mm-hmm. nobody else was thinking like this Right at, at my age. But yeah. I was because I was, it was not a foreign concept to me. Right. So I remember like going to Home Depot, getting PVC pipe, yeah, like building it myself and like doing these dolly moves. I remember like screening these films in my class and everybody's mind was blown. Like, what how did you fuck? do that? Because you couldn't really buy buy everything like you, like you can now. Yeah, it was expensive. Yeah, it, well, you had to make it. It was all DIY back then. Like they True. weren't making like, you know, Now you can just go buy a cheap dolly from uh Sammy's or, right, right. or BH filter or whatever that are built for DSLR cameras. Back then it was also new, they, were, they didn't have those kind of accessories, right? But I knew the shot that I wanted, and then I reverse engineered it like, mm. okay, I want to do uh, you know, a dolly move for this specific scene in my short film, and then I would just reverse engineer it. All right, how do I make that move? Okay, I need PVC pipe, and there was like
0: blogs and stuff at the time, right? Um, so doing just mad research, mad Did you research. Have any mentors that were like kind of Around at the time or no? Because the internet's I mean, there, but not still, like-
1: still just just Kristen. I think that was my only mentor, mentor. At the and what time.
0: was Kristen's background? Your manager? He
1: was. Well, uh, he, had he managed. Was, yeah, he was a, an, an acting manager, so he managed you know a ton of other actors as well as
0: me. Was Was there ever any like people that you knew that he had managed before or anything that you?
1: Uh, I don't think any celebrities or yeah. anything. I, I don't really have any memories of that.
0: But. Kristen is funny because he's like, he reminds me of my friend Chuck. And every time you call him for advice and shit and I'm like in the car listening to like him talk, I'm just like, this is so funny because <laughs> he is like the parallel to my homie who's like one of my mentors and Kristen's a good dude. Shout out. Yeah. To, what's up, Chris? <laughs> Drink some coffee with us, dog. Um, okay. So Yep. that's fucking crazy. Then you go on to kind of decide that this is be- becoming a passion for you or actually, what were you editing on when you did that? Like your first short, do you remember?
1: Um, a f- a final cut. Like I remember learning, learning final cut for the first time back then. That was like the first thing what, you added on. Yeah. I can't final even cut? remember what version it was. Um, Crazy. I think it was even like a trial version of, yeah, yeah. you know, like you'd have the 30 day trial or, or whatever. Um, but I, I do remember like some of our assignments would be to like, to mimic a film like of the genre we were studying that week. And I feel like doing that, uh, helped in a weird way because, uh, when you, when you mimic or like when you, I guess trying to like copy or whatever, like reenact somebody's style, then you inherently, I think like learn like why they did some things they did. And it kind of like helps you through the process a little quicker than just trying to like figure it out on your own.
0: So when did you decide you went to Santa Barbara first? Yeah. Uh,
1: yeah. So I was like the worst student ever in high school. Mm -hmm. Like, like, probably like a cb students i just didn't care about anything other than making shit than like filmmaking and like i thought that you know this is what i want to do why do i have to learn like biology or chemistry or you know anything other than just watching movies yeah. and, and whatever um but i knew that i wanted to go to usc film school because uh it's just like known it's just the best film school like in the world right and especially being in la and that being like you know, such a big deal out here. That was like the go-to film school. It is still the go-to film school. So I just didn't know how I was going to get there, but I knew that was in. I was going to get there eventually. But I knew it wasn't going to be straight out of high school because my grades were such shit. Yeah. Um, so uh, I made the decision to go to Santa Barbara City College first. One, because I wanted to have like a college experience and it seemed like the closest option um, the best option at the time because it was like an hour away from Calabasas. So it wasn't too far from my family. Yeah, it's a city college so I could easily transfer to USC or, right. or a UC school or uh, anywhere else. Uh, and also it was close to UCSB and they share a lot of like the same like fraternities and like live in the same city. So I figured I would get be able to dip into that college experience a little bit. Um, but I also knew that I had to crush it in school because, uh, my only goal was to go to USC. Yeah. Like I didn't even, in my head like think or plan to go anywhere else. Cause like they tell you what classes it take for the UCs and for the, uh, whatever. But for USC, it's a private school. So they, there's not, they don't really have, they can't really tell you exactly what classes it take. They just kind of give you an idea and then you just like, you know, apply and cross your fingers and hope God that damn. you get in. USC film school only takes 40 kids a year. It's like the hardest. Forty. Yeah. It's the hardest school to get into. Like, harder, harder than, like, Harvard.
0: Holy shit. Yeah. The is it school. expensive?
1: Yeah, it's a private school, but it's, it's same, you so, know, it's, like, yeah. 50K a year or right. whatever. You know, same as, like, UC or Good whatever. God. Yeah, it's expensive. But, but at the time, I thought that was the, the only route. Right. You know, like, uh, you know, filmmaking is such a weird thing because there's not, it's not like being a dentist. And it's, like, you know this path you got to take. You got to be a dental assistant. If you do that for this many years, you get. Upgraded,
0: upgraded, um, and upgraded. But in my
1: mind, that was, like, the, the like, clo- like, the safest Route, yeah, I guess to like guarantee success in the future. If you, you've
0: taken me to USC a couple times, but like name a couple people that have gone and gone through that film school and have come out successful so people oh, yeah. understand so, it. Because,
1: so, I mean, George Lucas is one of the most famous ones. Yeah, uh, Steven Spielberg actually didn't get in, but then he got an honorary degree later, and now him and George are like the biggest donors of the school. Crazy, like they named the buildings after them. Yeah, the new buildings. Um, I mean, it's a massive it's, it's just, school, it's, it's yeah. insane. You look it's at their really alumni cool. list, it's just it's like every single big filmmaker damn um so i went to santa barbara city college and i knew how, i knew i had to crush it but you still have to take all the g's i wasn't taking film classes mm-hmm. there so i couldn't like i couldn't escape the fact that if i wanted to go to usc i had to figure out a way to be good at school right um so i had to like reframe my mindset and know that now you know I high school was what it we you know was what it was i'm older now i'm starting Starting college, but I want to go to USC film school. I have to crush it here. And you, even if you do crush it, you're not guaranteed to get in. That's the craziest part. You can have a 4.0 and still get denied right. from USC. And there's all these applications for film school. Uh, to make a long story short, I had to retrain my mind. And what what I learned, what I learned then, which I think is really important, is that uh, you could have like all the technical prowess you want when it comes to, like filmmaking, but if you don't have the knowledge of everything else in the world then you won't have any stories to tell right so i retrained my mindset and i remember thinking this because i my first semester i had to take like these g's that were so foreign to me like a musical theory class like history of music theory class and a philosophy class and all these all these things but i retrained my mind to think that all right if i was making a movie today on on bach or like whoever i was studying yeah. in the class i have to be the the the, the uh, you know, the Bach. you know, expert, right. As a director, you have to know everything about that subject. Mm. So I kind of tricked myself into like learning all these subjects. I was, these G's I was taking that I used to be bad at, you know, yeah. science classes, English classes. And I tricked myself to pretending like that I was making a movie about these subjects. And Damn. what the second that I made that change in my mind, I crushed it. And I, I think I, after those two years, I graduated like a three point eight nine or that's three point nine nine or something like that which is crazy like i was the i'm not a good student yeah but and like you really know me smart. i'm not like a book smart person
0: at all Fuck though. but that's it was smart. just that,
1: it was that little change in my head that that just for some reason it made things click and i was just a beast in school i was learning every class i was just like powering through because i i lied like like you know lied yeah, to myself yeah. or whatever um but what was the moment that like when you actually got in to usc film school yeah uh it was after two years. So but it was I mean, like.
0: So, but I mean, like you're submitting and you're saying 40 people get accepted. So, yeah. what's the chances that you get in? You know, like you're very I, confident or you just, it just worked out and you just knew it was going to happen?
1: Don't, well, it was, it's crazy because I, nev- I didn't even apply to anywhere else. Even though my chances were so small, like I didn't have a plan B. I like, I, something inside me was like, I just, I, I, this is my goal. I'm not going to even apply anywhere else. Mm. I literally only applied to USC. which is pretty stupid looking back on it because I don't know what would have happened if I didn't get in. (laughs) (laughs) I just would have been still in Santa Barbara right now just like smoking weed in Isla Vista. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Just fucking making dollies with your skateboard all day. But (laughs) I I think it's a testament to like if you believe in something like that much and you manifest it, like shit will happen. Yeah. And, you know, I had good grades, but I'm sure a million people with a 4.0 or whatever applied just like me. There was like a few written essays you had to take um back then you didn't have to you weren't you weren't able to submit a short film but i think it's different now i think you can now so it was really just relying on the written essays uh like one was like on you know like write about like a character essay uh like on yourself Mm -hmm. like what was the toughest thing you went through or some personal essay another one was like uh write like a short a short story i don't remember them but it was like three different essays this whole process um, and then like some recommendation letters, which I got from like family friends, like one family friend who's in the industry and another who was a USC alum, but nothing like out of the ordinary. I just you know I just I happened to get in. Yeah, routine. Um, so what's that
0: like getting to go to that school? Like finally your dream comes true. I mean, how many years are you thinking about it, it forever? Scary. You know, yeah. What I, mean? I mean, it's all I
1: wanted since I was like as long as Young. I was, mean, like ten yeah. years old. Even. That's fucking crazy. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. It was pretty insane stepping on that campus.
0: Were you going like? Were you partying hard once you got to that school? No. You stopped? I, par- or, I, mean, I partied in
1: Santa Barbara.
0: Yeah, because that's like the college I, is set I, up to do I that. I
1: was like very, very lucky in that. I I crushed it in school and I got the full college experience. Like mm. everything I could have ever hoped for or wanted, I did and I got. And, so, and all of my best friends to this day, I met in Santa Barbara. That's crazy. All of them. Damn. And I just got very, very lucky in that respect. Like I definitely burned the candle at both ends. Yeah, yeah um but then when i got to usc i i it was like it was weird because it was like starting all over again like literally like i did not know like one person damn at all like i I was like the first semester was like miserable i actually contemplated going back to santa barbara because i was like so depressed because the first semester you're not really doing you're still in the like you're in the film school but you're not like it's not what you would think because you're not like you know, shooting, yeah, using gear, uh, you know, using gear, you don't get to use gear until like your second year, yeah. So it was like a slow, a slow uh transition in into the school, but yeah, to answer your question, I wasn't doing shit, I was a loser, but I, th- well, I think I wasn't it, looking I, at it th- for that was aspect. good, yeah. It was That's good, that it was good because it, it forced me to like to, to meet new people, Yep. Um, it forced me to to network and step outside my comfort zone because I, I got comfortable in Santa Barbara because I was in the fraternity and I'm you know, I had all my best friends and I lived in the frat house and I did it and I did it well and then when i went to usc i was completely completely out of my comfort zone mm-hmm. but i think i learned so much from doing that and uh i think i still carry a lot of the lessons i learned from that to, like to this day hmm. like not being afraid of stepping in our comfort zone because i it just it turned out so great that time so like
0: but what was like your first experience um in, at usc like finally getting to use a camera make your first project what was the first project they had you make do you remember um
1: yeah, so I went to. Uh, I'm trying to think how to make the, like the short version of this. I went on. Uh, I was a student there, like at a very strange time because they were my first year there. They were building the brand new building and transitioning. Everything was transitioning from like film to to 100 like the digital medium. Yeah, it's so, like literally my two years there was when that transition was happening. Damn. So I was like the first year, um, all my classes were in the old building. Second year, the first. Uh, what are two of the new buildings were built. So I had a few classes in there and they were still making that transition. I was actually the last class to shoot on film. I think it's only HD now unless it's like a specialty class or or something like that. But, uh, so I was the last class to, to shoot on film. And the first thing, the first project we did there, um, was a short film where you couldn't use any sound, like any dialogue or sound. You just had to tell a story just through visual, like visuals. Um,
0: that's such a good so, challenge, yeah. by the way, if you're listening yeah. to this, like if you're just starting out, you should grab a camera and try that challenge. Try to make even in yeah. a room, try, try to make a room, tell a story in a room with, with whatever you're given at that time, but with no sound, that's such a hard yeah. or take just an audio recorder and try to do, tell a story with just sound.
1: That's hundred percent. And it, it teaches you, it, it taught me as my first thing there, I'd never really done that before. And I feel like a lot of people, if you just set out of the gate to make a short film, a lot of people were like rely on the dialogue yeah. so much, but if you can't tell a story just visually first and it, it teaches you how to like work with actors because mm-hmm. you like taking a step by step is so important. Like you first have to learn body language as a first step, you know, to be, cause that's a language in itself. Yeah. 100%. And, um, but yeah, there's a lot of cool, small things. Like I had a sound design class where like, you know, the very, very first project we did was we uh, had to go... We had to step out the classroom and go sit somewhere and just write down, like, every sound we heard. I so, did that too. Yeah, which is funny. Yeah. Damn. You did? Yeah.
0: I remember doing that and doing a, a video. I don't, Actually, we didn't make any videos with no sound we made. We just did the audio move. And yeah. I remember having to go walk around campus and, like, tell some story, and it was probably yeah. terrible.
1: But. Like, I definitely... I would challenge people. Uh, uh, there's a lot of other different, like... Um, like types of projects like this, like we had to do that kind of like train different muscles. Yeah. Like filmmaking muscles. Mm. And anybody who's out there, I would say like definitely like research Google. Um maybe I'll do like a post if I can like think back onto like all the things that I did. Yeah. Um throughout USC that kind of like train different muscles of filmmaking. I think were really, really helpful. Mm there's so many different aspects involved in filmmaking and like a film is the combination of all those things that's
0: a good thing to point out too like training the muscles that makes too much sense that yeah you should, i mean that's practice repetition that's ten thousand hours for eventually, sure. eventually that's going to make you very very good at whatever if, you study yeah mm-hmm. if you
1: stay ready you never got to get ready right oh <laughs> i like that yeah. okay so challenge yourself
0: you know do do shit like that what were you doing okay so i know you started a business was the business that you started like your filmmaking or your yeah whatever it was a video production company what, what yeah so i
1: started like three other classmates and me at usc started like uh you know a production company while we were still in in school um but i guess to backtrack super super quick um this is when when i was at usc i was in the cafeteria one day and i saw Lil little romeo mm-hmm. um and i remembered that he was from calabasas also so i decided to go up to him I introduced myself and we just became friends and we're just like best friends till this day. So uh, because Rome, yeah. of, yeah, shout out to Rome. Because of that relationship, I started just shooting all of his music videos, which I'd, I'd never done a music video before, before that day. Even in high school, I never did a music yeah. video. It was always just like short films. Right. Um, but he asked if I could and of course I said yes. Yeah, for sure. Because I, I, always, I always say yes bef- like before yeah. I know if I can do it or not. Right. And I just figured it out later. Um, so I started just shooting... On like I had an HVX 2000 or 200 or whatever it was back then. And then Fancy. eventually I got like when the Canon 7D came out, that was just mind-blowing. That was the best camera that yeah, I ever Yeah, or 5D or whatever. No, the first 70. Or it was 70? definitely 7D. Yeah. Um, and that was, that was just mind-blowing. So uh, because of um, those music videos I was like shooting for Rome, uh, it gave me and like my friends at the time, my roommates actually, uh, the confidence like Star Production Company Um, and because like various people I knew, we ended up like shooting some campaigns for like Gap and Fanta and Nike and all kinds of crazy stuff, which was interesting because we were like so far ahead of the curve. Yeah. So we'd be in like in class, you know... You know, shooting a short film or whatever, and like we knew that like at 3 p.m. we had to go shoot something for Nike. That's hilarious. It was weird, and, and like this was before like it was as like regular as it is now for like content creators to just shoot stuff for Sh- these right, kinds right. of companies or this brands was, like, and influencers. It's like care. right before that whole like digital boom. I feel like were right because you- it was like right when the 70 came out and everybody had it. Yeah. And then like maybe maybe like a year later, it's completely saturated. Right. Like, everybody has 70. Yeah, yeah. Everybody's stuff looked like
0: a like a movie. But so were you shooting? Were they like? decent budget commercials or whatever or what, what was it, it I was mean like for us at the time it was crazy? it was
1: good you know it was like at the time I mean you I guys were
0: probably learning about marketing in class and then had to go work with a company Yeah. this video is going to be part, part of their Yeah I mean they
1: weren't campaign. like big big campaigns or anything but it was like doing actual like products for those companies you know what I mean so like yeah. so that was cool to have on the resume and it was just cool to be experimenting with storytelling in all different kinds of, of ways outside the classroom because as undergraduate at USC you're not always it's not all about the production side of it. A lot of my classes were film studies classes. Um, so you're kind all, of figuring different out. different times.
0: You were figuring out as you were going, like doing it with your homies. So yeah. What What advice would you give to anyone that decides to put together a production company that early? And and I guess you guys are very green at the time, technically. Yeah. As far you were still in school and you started a company. What What did you learn? Like, what was the one big thing that you walked away with, like loving that you would do it over again? And was one thing that you would never do again if you had to do it all over again? A production company? Yeah, like starting with your homies. Like, you know, it's hard. So a yeah. lot of people like to pair with their friends right away and a lot of things can, yeah. you rely on people a lot, you know? I,
1: I guess I would say find people who compliment you. Mm. Um, it wasn't so much a problem then, but like looking back on it, it was like all three of us were directors. All three of us had very similar like skill sets. Um, and we didn't really know how to navigate that at, right. at, at that point, you know? Um now we're all doing different shit in the industry, which is really dope
0: to see. Yeah, what's everyone else doing now? Huh? Um,
1: I think one's in, uh, one's a screenwriter, and the other one is uh, in PR and marketing, mm. like an agency. Dope. Oh, um, the dude that's in New York or something? Yeah. Yeah, nice, yeah.
0: cool. So yeah, like you, you start the production company, how long does that last?
1: Um, just till we graduated and then we kind of all went, went off and did our own thing.
0: How long was, how long was USC two years?
1: Uh, I went there for two years. So I was in Santa Barbara for two years and then two USC for two years. Cool. Typically it'd be four years, but even the first, as an undergrad, the first two years at USC, you're just doing G's anyway. Mm. So it was honestly like even, it was better that I went to Santa Barbara first cause I got the G's out of way for way cheaper yeah, than I was if I stayed at USC for So cheap. years. Yeah. Yeah. Damn. Um, but like, uh, as a graduate at USC, that's where I think you like really, really get to learn a lot more i think because you immediately get to like day one be shooting stuff and like diving into the advanced stuff i feel like like uh i wasn't even my two years there i didn't even get to the advanced stuff like i did on my own outside of school that's like i was just like super super ahead of the curve well yeah i
0: mean two years really isn't that long i mean it's yeah a lot of time i've only been out here for like two and a half years and i've learned so much fucking shit but if you look at it in the realm of things it's like you spent two years studying a bunch of shit you don't really necessarily but i mean
1: you you learn from like the experience craziest professors like the you know world-class professors some of my film theories classes were just like absolutely incredible like Um, what like my i had this one hitchcock class taught by professor drew casper who's uh one he's like the highest i think he's the highest paid professor in the country god damn. like period like just professor in general um and he's like the number one like hitchcock um enthusiast or uh whatever you'd call it in in the country he's like the the guy like he runs his foundation with his family and it was like this the stuff that i learned from people like that just like i feel like goes way beyond anything maybe could learn at like just a typical college
0: why didn't you stick continue going after that and doing your after studies
1: what at usc yeah uh, I mean, I graduated, so it was like kind of redundant just to go to graduate school for a film when you already graduate, right? you know, from undergrad. There's no and I bonus was, to that now. Yeah. And I, I was, I was ready for, like I, I did it. I accomplished, you know, I accomplished what I wanted to do. I checked that off the list. What were you ready. thinking
0: about? Like as college is ending, like, what is your plan? Like, are you, th- were you thinking I, that I the, the business would deteriorate at that time or? Like you... our, our production company?
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't really, th- I don't know. I did not really think about it too much. I just feel like it was just so, it was so exciting to graduate. First of all, that you know, the buzz of that was was just like first and foremost. And then when the buzz kind of, kind of wore off, like wore off, I remember it wearing off, and then like real life hitting in. You're like shit because they don't really give you your, your, like the alumni network is amazing, but you still have to go out there and get it. You still have to like reach out to the mentors. You still have to like find the alumni and get those opportunities. They yeah. don't just hand you jobs, right? You know, it's not. Um, there's like there's no handout so it's like you graduate and, and that's it you, you know it's like fight or flight you got to like you know fiend you know, f- for yourself and that was scary like the first few months um, I got like an apartment downtown and you know it was just the scariest thing in the world yeah, winging it. I thought it would be so easy and it just it, it wasn't what
0: were you doing like sending in your resume to different production companies and all
1: kinds of th- and we were still doing some like dabbling with some stuff for the production company um, but that was also kind of like wearing off because like I said like it was becoming like very saturated a lot mm-hmm. of people were doing it um and uh back then, you know it wasn't like the path to to content creation like I said isn't the same that it is now, yeah um you know now like you have access to like first of all so much gear like yeah. at, like like that at the you know fingertips um so I didn't really know how I was to navigate it i it was it was a scary time for sure when you but I saw it as a challenge,
0: yeah, I was gonna say I remember when Probably when I started getting interested in filmmaking or whatever I thought filmmaking was at the time, just interested in creating videos, I remember the only person that I looked up for for music videos was Spike Jones and Anthony Manler, yeah, and you you told me that at one point you had reached out to Anthony mm-hmm. or had looked up to him and and at one point like got coffee with him, maybe or something like yeah that. was that like one of your first out of college? was that one of the first things that happened that got you into riveting store?
1: yeah, exactly. So I was um, I was starting my first documentary. I met this this guy named Ryan Blair who at the time had a book and he wanted some some content created for the book. Like he wanted like some promotional videos or commercials. He didn't really know what he wanted. He just needed some sort of like video component to right. it. Um, and I didn't have any other jobs at that time. So like of course I was going to like jump on that opportunity. And that later became my first documentary, which we never set out to do, but it just kind of like folded into that. At the same time, uh, one of my favorite directors who I've I always like looked up to because uh, I think like one of the things that you can do uh, is like try and model not model I think everybody has their own journey but you can at least look at other directors or people that you aspire to be and look at what they did and like learn from their path mm-hmm. and model their behavior yeah so he was like the number one director I always looked up to and I feel like that's another thing I manifested um, because he happened to be uh, we happened to have mutual friends and I ran into him. Uh, one one night, and ended up getting coffee with him.
0: Well, let's um, just what, like name a couple of projects that he's worked on. Some of the bigger projects that he's worked on. Uh, I mean, I they're mean all big.
1: one of my favorite videos that he did is is uh, Jay Z Forever Young. I was gonna say, I feel like I that was one that of the video. first
0: time I used like Wikipedia to figure out who did it. I was like, who yeah. the fuck made this video? Yeah. Damn. Yeah, I love that video. I love a video. I think he's that was done like so many massive videos and he's just such a yeah. m- huge director. And now he's works with Apple. He works with everyone. He's, yeah, I
1: think he just finished his first uh his first feature monster, which I think I just saw on his Instagram today that got to Sundance or something. Damn. So shout out, shout out to him. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. So you um,
0: yeah, you got coffee with the dude and then what happened?
1: Yeah, he was so we, we just to uh, what pick his brain? Yeah, I I, I you know, since I I met him and I told him like, dude, like I idolize you. Uh, can I just like pick your brain, go to coffee? He was super cool about it. He said, sure.
0: God, I wonder how many people were asking that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But how many people were like, were, were scared to like follow up with that next step? Yeah, true. And I think that, that one of the most important things you could do, like you were saying, like, what do you do at that, like out of college or whatever is like find a mentor. Mm -hmm. Like the first thing you should do is, is find some sort of mentor or mentors um because i wouldn't be anywhere where i am today without like the mentors i had along the way yeah, which we can, we can get to yeah it's gonna be a long podcast so we're not even out of fuck it fuck it fuck it we got coffee we got wine yeah, we you, got you ice like this cream, cream. Is, you like this shit this is, this is good i like
0: it a lot shout out to bros they sent me soon. a shit ton of coffee now we're just we already just decided before we started this that we we're gonna drink this cup of coffee that we're, we're gonna, gonna switch to the wine. wine so all right it's about up. to get weird yeah
1: um so, yeah, so what was I saying? So, find, find so a, find a him mentor. you him for coffee. Yeah, but First you meet thing. him for coffee. So I, I, I meant it for coffee. Um, I picked his brain. Like, I had all my questions ready. I spent all day, like, preparing um, all the questions I have for him. I Nobody
0: head. does this anymore. That's what I'm so, saying. Well, also, listen to the he's talking about people. If you're watching the video, I'm pointing at Andrew. Listen to what he's talking about because people will just hit you. Now, it'd be like this. Uh, yeah, Instagram. Yeah, Instagram. Yeah. And, Anthony Manler, if he has an Instagram. Dude, uh... What camera should I start for, like, should I buy for making weddings? Don't do that. You, so you spent all day prepping. That's fucking smart. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, shit. I thought
1: about like the most, like the most important. I mean, I wrote everything that was on my mind, and then I just like narrowed, narrowed that that down to like, all right, what's the most important questions? What were the most important questions? I, at I wasn't the time? like I wasn't like a nerd and like took out my book and just like you first know, <laughs> Anthony. Yeah, no. question number one. Yeah. but what was? Um,
0: what do you remember? Some of the, like what they were? I, I honestly, I don't, I don't remember the questions no. that
1: that I had. You blacked I out. was just, I blacked out. I was so excited to just even like sit down with him. Cause I mean, his his videos were just like I had followed them for follows like his career for years, right? And his videos were just unlike any anything else anybody else was doing. They were just like mini movies, mm-hmm. like nobody else was doing that kind of shit. And his style, like handheld and yeah. like even the black and white stuff he did, and like just it was so everything thin. he was doing was just amazing. And right. I wanted to model my career after that. And so the fact that I ran into him, we had mutual friends, just felt like again like manifestation. Yeah, like if you just put that shit out there and and not think anything is like too far fetched that because it's 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 not the fact right. is like nothing is too far fresh or out of this world like you can attain or achieve like anything because i can like i've so many stories like this where shit just like you put it out there you say it and you believe it's going to happen and it and and it happens you just you know what i mean so uh i he, do know what you mean andrew i do know yeah what you mean. Yeah, yeah what happened What did he what? uh so he uh obviously at the time i was like can you can you rep me can you sign me can you give me work can really you some- yeah i mean at the end of coffee I'm like, dude. <laughs> at the end you started doing the <laughs> so help like, me dude help <laughs> yeah. help he was like um uh, you know i'm i'm focused on movies now i'm about to you know do something else but let me introduce you to somebody who might be able to to help you uh andrew listerman at riveting entertainment so he introduced me to andrew's assistant at the time nickel shout out to nickel who lives with, who lives us, with, us, now. with us now he lives in the house Crazy. that's hilarious <laughs> yeah um so Nickel set up a meeting, which I found out later, I think so Nickel thought it was a different Andrew.
0: Yeah, I heard the story too. Yeah. Uh
1: but the the meeting got set up, I met with Andrew Listerman and we ended up like hitting it
0: off. But Andrew so he met so Andrew Sandler met with Andrew Listerman and yeah. when he went into the office, Andrew Listerman thought he was meeting a different Andrew. Yeah. That they just it was a mix up. So he had no idea who this kid was and yeah. just started asking him his experience and stuff and Andrew starts saying He shit. probably wouldn't have
1: taken the meeting if, if he like knew it was just yeah. actually like me, just like a random right kid. That's hilarious. Um
0: so I was doing the
1: documentary at that time. Um, so that came up for, for Ryan which
0: by the way if we want to note on that how how long do you think you spent on that documentary because he did a book tour in that time you've been yeah. shooting with him for like almost a year I would say or? like one,
1: one to two years I spent on fuck, that fuck that's crazy but but even even after that I kept like working with Ryan and, and doing other projects with Ryan. Ryan
0: and Brian Ryan also had like owned a, a company that he sold for a shit ton of money right yeah. like some obnoxious amount like yeah. hundreds of millions of dollars yeah. with his mean,
1: partners yeah that was a crazy a whole, like, that's a whole other like topic So that was just a, a crazy experience out of college and i was shooting on my 7 17 it was just I, I was a one-man band i don't have a crew or anybody yeah. else and i'm following this guy around the world basically literally literally around the world as he's going through this you know selling his company going through an ipo and i'm sitting in these meetings that you know <laughs> he's like billionaires are talking about billions and it's like i'm a fly on the wall to all this shit. yeah and that was just a crazy experience in in its own nothing that to I was lose. so blessed to have if
0: you guys want to check it out i'll put it it's on youtube right that's basically yeah. just he yeah, He edited it and went straight to YouTube. And it's like, yeah. a f- how long is the doc? 50 minutes? Uh, Yeah. 50 minutes. I'll put a link to show notes that too. You can see the Nothing Lose Doc. That was the first thing I watched when I heard about you. Yeah. That's funny.
1: Yeah. It's crazy because I feel like everything happens for a reason. Like with that documentary, I learned so much about filmmaking that I never would have learned like in any other format. No. It was just, it's crazy how much you learn from documentary filmmaking in terms of like editing and piecing together story and like, I put together a, a really crazy, a, a, crazy a really good experience. story
0: which is funny because you like you said you didn't even really know that's what you were doing until probably halfway yeah. through filming like the doc like you're just you've been shooting content and then all of a sudden it starts to become a documentary and that's when you have to kind of craft the story towards the end yeah and the story is pretty nuts yeah it's good I'm not gonna yeah ruin it for anyone but yeah it's a good story watch it yeah. Um. so Anthony introduces you to Andrew you go meet yep. Andrew you're making the documentary um, you and Listerman hit it off mm-hmm. and then what's up? Um, so at that same time and who is Listerman to you at this point in time? Like who is he's, he's well I mean at that
1: point in time like I had I knew who he was like when when Manler said his name like I knew exactly who he was talking about his company Riveting I had followed like all through college they were doing the dopest shit at the time with Colin Tilley and, and Chris Brown and just every single big music video at the time like they were massive so yeah. I was stoked when when Manler kind of pushed me off to, to Riveting because they were like doing the dopest shit yeah ever then and so that was really exciting meeting for me i'm glad he took it right um that's funny yeah and so at that same time i was becoming very close with uh wilmer balderrama also steve angelo at the time steve angelo is a
0: dj part from of uh, us
1: mafia yep uh yeah, how you meet live- these people
0: wilmer like that's so Dude, random I live, I live if, a very strange if you don't life. know who wilmer is guys fez from that seventh show so yeah. Another um, legend. Yeah, so just ran I, into him randomly. No, Wilmer and I had
1: had mutual friends like Ryan Blair, and then uh, hmm. my, my my roommate Adir, who's a DJ at the time, yeah. was friends with them because they would you know go to nightclubs and and right, whatnot I think that way. Um, and I kept running into him, and then one day I was just like, "Dude, I think like we should just be friends because I see you everywhere." <laughs> and he's the coolest guy in the world, like you know, he's you so know him fucking now. nice. Yeah. Um, and he, um, so uh, I met with Andrew, and then around that same time, Steve Angelo uh, had called me, who I met through mutual friend. That he needed a music video done for his uh, his little brother, Antoine, and and uh One. Yeah. Um, and at that same time, like the same day, Wilmer hit me and was like, Hey, do you wanna do a music video for uh this girl I'm friends with? We can co-direct it, it'll be super fun. Um, whatever. They I don't they hadn't even seen any of the music videos I did at the time. Cause I at that yeah, point just I only did it for Romeo and like for homies and stuff. Um, And they were both, like, to me, huge budgets at the time. I think they were, like, 50K each, and that was, like, to me, like, a massive budget. Um, So because of those two videos, I called Listerman, um, and I was like, yo, I got these two videos. Do you want to produce them for me? And, like, that was my way into riveting was those two videos. Yeah, you're, like, bringing work right out the gate. Yeah, I brought him work right out the gate, you know, and that earned his trust and, and his respect, and then he produced those for me, and we hit it off on those videos, like... The collaboration was was great. Yeah, those videos were so much fun. Actually, I take it back. the The video with Wilmer uh, was Salute. Salute, yeah, the country. it's
0: like the old western style. Yeah, shit.
1: that that was crazy. Like horses. That budget was a little more than fifty. You explode
0: yeah. The building explodes. Yeah. And shit. Yeah. And they're like, there's like a bar fight and stuff. It was crazy. Damn, I'm gonna post it was, that. It in was. Show notes. I'm it was. Post, it was anything, just assume I'll that, post that. That music,
1: show notes. I mean, dude. It was it was crazy because those two videos were like so it just i went from like zero to 100 over those, overnight yeah uh yeah so uh yeah so glow was the the video that i did with An 21 which uh sick. was like a massive because it was my first time shooting on a sound a soundstage we built a set there was all this like vfx involved i don't know what the hell i was doing but i just <laughs> acted like i did really yeah, I mean, like I knew all the, but I'd never done it on that scale before. Yeah, it's a massive but, scale. But like. like, but you, but I really framed my mind to be like, it's the same shit. It's the same shit when you're like, when I was shooting these dolly shots. I was shooting on my my little on my yeah, homemade whatever skateboard, skateboard and now it's just the real fucking thing yeah but you have real fucking crew guys who are doing it for you it's That's uh, crazy. you know you can't be scared of those things no yeah because it's, it's just the same shit and you can't be intimidated and with that mentality i went into it and we we i crushed both both videos of riveting that hit it off maybe like a couple weeks later um andrew calls me and he's like yo do you want to produce a chris brown nikki minaj video and i'm like hell yeah yeah i i hadn't like done like too much producing at the time but It was supposed to be like in a nightclub and all these elements. And because of my relationships and I lived in Hollywood at the time and because of Ryan, like I was able to get a nightclub for free. Um, Shout out to Kobe at Sound because that's probably the only reason why that video worked so well is Kobe let me use this brand new nightclub that had just opened, which is like, like the most beautiful club in Hollywood. Let us shoot there for free. Uh, and because of that, I was able to produce this video.
0: And you got, uh, what's his name in it? And,
1: oh, yeah. And, and I got Nick Swartz in Swartzen. it. Nick Because he's another mutual friend. Yeah. It's just we, it's just like this domino effect of like, of everything happens for a reason. And like, it's so important to be able to connect those dots. And that's what a good producer is. But really yeah. And, and, the and dots. what a way
0: to plug yourself right off the right off the it, gate yeah. by getting a free location, which for Chris Brown, Nicki Minaj video, any place that is going to rent their space out knows that they could probably make a good chunk of money off that yeah. shit. And you got yeah. it for free. That's crazy. And I,
1: I, was, I was just like, all of it happened overnight, and I was so hungry and I wanted it so bad that it was just the right combination of Andrew taking me under his wing, yeah, and me just like being so hungry to learn everything, right, and like ham. do everything, and like I was just I just wanted to be the hardest worker in the room, and if I didn't know how to do, I would say yes, and I would figure that shit out.
0: That was like the same thing with me coming here and working with you. Yeah, <laughs> it's literally the same shit. Yeah. So yeah. So what happens then? So you kind of start getting in with them. They're putting a bunch of projects together and you're always kind of hopping in on all those what what yeah. are the next few projects that you worked on? Um yeah. I was doing,
1: I was doing a lot of a lot of producing uh, because I had just like such a, a like good knowledge I guess of of being able to connect the dots and put pieces together and we just kept like doing videos yeah. like one after the other. Uh, on the directing side it's it's a little bit hard to get big videos as a director out the gate because right. it's like if you don't it's kind of a catch 22 if you don't have a body of work as a director the label won't really trust you um you know i would say the, the best way is they make like form relationships with the artists like that's how i got the 100%. n21 video that's yeah. how i got the wilmer video right so it's like if you can form relationships with the artist that's the quickest way i think as a director to get to get work because you're not going to get work as a nobody director just for, like writing treatments submitting it to the label yeah they're gonna go with guys who have body of work because it's about trust and like you know the label you know has their job on the line and they have to make sure that you know, the person, whoever they're handing it off to and spending this money on is going to execute. Yeah, right. Um, but I was able to, like, build a pretty solid producing reel. Um, it, it just, it, it kind of just happened so fast because, um, you know, after the Chris Brown, Nicki Minaj video, Love More, we did, like, three, four more Chris Brown videos. And just that that like within, year, like,
0: what kind of time period? Uh, I just want to see if this shit's yeah, still
1: recording. It was just, like, over the next couple of months, I guess. But I was also doing some directing stuff through n 21 and Steve Angela. I was able to meet some other DJs, uh, Norman DeRay and a bunch of other. I did, did like a lot of EDM videos as a mm-hmm. director because I built those personal relationships. Right. That I was able to do those through Spinning and through Ultra. Um, Damn. Just plugging them. F- yeah. Okay. How crazy yeah. is that
0: though? Because you were literally like out of college, moved downtown, trying to find some work, kind of getting nervous. I Wasn't kind of nervous, super nervous. I was like,
1: like I, I knew I never doubted myself, or I, I always knew that it was gonna happen for yeah. me. It was just like really real. Yeah, you didn't have the like, safety net of
0: college, and like you just spent a shit ton of money on college. Yeah. Now you're sitting downtown, like spending money on rent, just like yeah, twiddling your thumb trying to figure Sending it your out resumes, like. But one meeting, just reaching yeah. out and being—it's one fucking person that just looped it all in, and just by chance and being on time and doing whatever you did, yeah, spun all this into a full fucking tornado of just, like, work. That's yeah. crazy. Yeah. So what do you start learning the most? Like, what are you picking up on that you're like, oh, shit, this and that. What What do you...
1: Uh, I mean, I was learning so much, like, from, from producing that I would uh, take with me into directing and, and vice versa. Um.
0: What's the question? Like, what was the biggest... <laughs> well, as a producer, you know, what was, like, the biggest thing you learned as you started doing these music videos that you might not have known in college or maybe you didn't get taught? Was there anything that was coming up to you that you're like, oh, shit, or, like that you can dawn on, you know?
1: Uh, I mean, budgeting was was like something I didn't know how to do and I, I had to learn like budgeting like for real, for real, like doing a line budget. Yeah. Um, you know, all the different, you know, crew positions I kind of knew from my acting days, but now I was like in it, in the center of it. And it was interesting because I was producing these these massive videos for huge artists, but I was still like 23 at the time. So I was probably the youngest person on every set, but I was the producer. So I was like, I was in charge Of, you know, these guys who are in their 30s and 40s as crew. Um, But, you know, I kind of hit it off with, I feel like, everybody just because of, like, my positive attitude. And I think everybody saw, like, my hustle and how bad I wanted to make it. And because of Andrew's trust in me, I feel like that really helped establish trust with with everybody in that community.
0: Damn. So then... You start do you direct a little bit more, or what are you doing? Like, are you starting to get a position to direct because you're producing all these videos? Because Chris, I know produce, or directs all of his videos yeah. for the most part, and you're producing all of them. But did you directed five more hours? Was there one before yeah. that um, for Chris? Yeah. What was the first Chris Brown video? I you think directed? five
1: more hours is the first one. Like I was officially the director on. Yeah. Um, but, but it's I, crazy. I, Watch. Like, I feel like like uh, twenty. Twenty plus videos for chris and He's producing ridden. is
0: such like a hands-on very much like you it's almost like you are directing the shit because you're for sure literally yeah. in control and
1: especially in music videos it's like very everything happens so fast and like the roles are very like you're doing everything as a producer yeah
0: damn so it's like you've had the opportunity to direct so many videos without actually being the director yeah. You yeah know i mean like you get such yeah, a yeah. first row seat or whatever the front row seat to seeing that shit so what five more hours comes along what had you directed any other videos before that
1: uh not for chris but at that point i would produced like 15 or so videos for chris and, and other huge artists and i've you know produced for other big big directors as well like through riveting like mike ho and um a ton of other you know daniel cz yeah, yeah. Uh, a ton of other directors. Um, and like you said, it's like you're, you're on the front lines as a music video producer. You know, like a lot of times in, in feature films or TV, the producer doesn't always mean on the front lines. There could be different levels of, of a producer. You know, right, it could right. be a producer who sits in the office, yeah, and the yeah. studio never steps foot on set. But as a music video producer, it's like the most hands on position you could be. But I feel like it worked because I was a director too, and I knew everything about like directing and I could almost like anticipate what was going to be needed. Right. And I feel like that really helped me. Um, and help me like connect the dots like a little bit quicker maybe than if I wasn't a director. Well,
0: and it's like, you know what you would want as a director from yeah. your producer because yeah. And it was
1: cool because I got to like have a front row seat to other directors' styles. Like I learned really quickly, True. like what I want as a director because I was able to be a producer and so hands on with all these different, this different roster of directors and everybody had their own kind of unique like style. And that was like really cool to be able to learn it through that
0: angle, which yeah. I
1: don't not a lot of people get to
0: No, for sure. Yeah, that's fucking crazy, damn. So, you direct five more hours. How did that come along?
1: Um, I mean, I mean, like I said, I had, you know I had produced videos for Chris, and and with Riveting for like a while at that point. Um, and that was five more hours was through uh, spinning or Ultra or one of the labels I had directed a ton of videos for before. Because usually Chris's videos go through RCA Sony. That one specifically because it was with an EDM artist went through spinning, mm. so it was it wasn't Chris's main single because Chris likes to direct his own videos. Right. But because it was like a, a, a feature almost, if you will, like he was okay with me taking the reins on it. Right. Um, I'm
0: trying to look it up right now because I want to see how many fucking views it has. Yeah. Just, okay, just to, <laughs> this shit is funny to see because you put out, I think Five More Hours came out, um, it came out two years ago or more, but I hadn't, I don't think I had lived here yet. I think you, had, you shot it, Maybe I came out and met you and then went home and I think you directed in that time. But it was like sometime right when we started meeting. Yeah. And I remember you did it. And then fast forward to now this video, the music video itself has 218 million views. What the
1: fuck? Yeah. You know what's crazy about how the concept came about is uh, I got the track. And because of Chris's manager at the time and Andrew, uh, his manager was Mike G at the time. And, and because of Andrew, my relationship with them, it was like an instant like booking to me, right? Yeah. That, like, here's the track. Uh, Come up with a concept. And at that time, Coachella was around the corner. Yeah. And it was an EDM track, and the artist I saw was performing at Coachella. I was like, damn, I really want to go to Coachella. I didn't get tickets this year. And Uh, I was like, you know what I'm going to do? I (laughs) I was like, you know what? I'm going to write. I was actually with with Brian in Brian's room. We were like talking about how bad we wanted to go to Coachella. And I was like, damn, I got to write this video treatment. I was like, wait a minute. So we came up with this concept of basically around coachella so we could go to coachella
0: so the concept just so you know is basically a bus full of hot chicks breaks down and travis scott and chris brown oh no chris chris and travis are in a car it breaks down a bus full of hot chicks on their way to coachella pick them up and take yeah. them to a party basically yeah so, so smart so yeah. then you got into coachella shit. <laughs> i cheated the system that's great damn and man. the video came out and i got 218 dope, like million views 218 yeah. and that's just damn yeah that's crazy was well, that's think about how crazy that is because i have to i i feel like we have these conversations a lot because from where i'm from if i were to dra- do that and i were yeah. to go, if i was at home and i directed a video that got 218 million views we'd have a fucking parade probably I mean, but look for,
1: at look at how many views karate has and that's for like rehab who's not even like not in the same good, like good world idea. as chris brown
0: because that okay so we'll get to karate so um and that was
1: like i think your first set that you were who, on with me right who did that
0: video I, I, or what artist? What artist? Uh,
1: rehab, DJ Rehab,
0: Rehab. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So Andrew directed Karate, and so when I had come out, yeah, that 112 million views. God damn, just racking them up. <laughs> like collectively, think about this from all the videos you've produced and directed. Like it's over a billion views on YouTube. Yeah, for like sure. easy from all these videos. Yeah. God damn. Um But yeah, like I. So I, I had come out here. This. So let's explain the story of how we met because it's funny. Yeah. Andrew basically dated my one of my best friends, Whitney. Shout out to her. I can bleep out her name though if I have to censor this. (laughs) Make you guys feel a little weird and shit. Uh, So he dated her and she had moved out to California and for her birthday, he's like, yo, you should come out here for her birthday. So as a fucking gift, like a nice guy because I'm a broke bitch back home in Iowa, he flew me out here and then was like, you can just pay me back by like working on set or whatever. And I was like, holy shit. For, I first met you because she'd Facetime me, and then I was. She's like, "Yeah, I'm. I'm like talking to this guy. He's like a director and shit." And I'm like, "What? Okay." <laughs> I look it up, and I start seeing his website, and I'm like, seeing all these real videos, like real, like to me is real. I was also shooting on the 70, like all the way till you were shooting on Reds and shit. And I'm sitting here still shooting on the 70s, and I'm like, "Oh damn, this is crazy." I was like looking into it, and I'm like, "That's fucking nuts." Like we're gonna be friends. <laughs> me and this dude are gonna be fucking homies. And then, long story short, I come out here. To visit and he brings me on set and he had um, two videos I was my ticket was booked long enough to go to one which was rehabs video and Andrew again with the concepts gold concepts just a bunch of hot chicks doing karate and then taking a shower together <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's just, that's literally the whole video so if you want to see like Instagram models just fucking like getting really clean Watch that video. But that was my first time on set, like a real video set, which was a trip because I'm just sitting there and you were like, yeah, yeah, check this out. Sit in the director's chair, like watch the monitor. We can see playback, all this stuff. And I'm just watching a crew put something together. That shit blew my mind. That
1: that was a really dope experience for me too because uh, the DP of that video, uh, Joe Labisi, was like somebody that... Again, I had, like, watched all of his videos in, in you know, college. Mm-hmm. Like, I was like, I need to work with this guy one day. Like, he's doing the dopest shit out there. Joe's a um, beast. Joe's a beast. And uh, I met him. Joe's a uh, beastie. Joe's a beastie. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I wanted to work with him so bad, and uh, I I think I even like had like a, like reached out to him on Facebook or something, and he he responded, and it was like the coolest thing in the world in, for that uh, video in college. No no no, oh, like in college. In, in college, but then like he ended up DPing a few videos I produced. I can't remember off the top of my heads like top of my head which one, um, but he produced, and I was like I need him to like I really want him to DP for me for something that I direct. Yeah, and so that was the first thing he DPed for me that I
0: directed, and crazy. He's crazy. With he killed camera, that dude. shit too. Yeah. It looked fucking really good. Yeah um yeah so so you do that video and it's sick and then i think the next day you were like oh i'm gonna chris chris is doing another video with seventh streeter don't kill the fun don't yeah. kill the fun and if you listen to the last episode that's funny because me and cal talked about that was our first time meeting there but mm-hmm. i i was supposed to fly out the day before don't kill the fun was supposed to happen andrew's producing that he's like dude you should change your flight blah blah, blah. i was like fuck do i pay this like extra because I had really had no money. I'm like, do I pay that extra, like, 150 bucks to stay here for, like, two more days? And I ran out of laundry and shit. But I'm like, fuck it. So I did. And then I came to set with you. But you're like, yo, it's different, though. This is a Chris set. Like, there's, like, 80 people crew. Like, the crew's massive. Like, you got to just be a fly on the wall and just, like, take it in. It's like, don't. Go up by the monitor and shit. That's yeah. Chris's monitor. <laughs> and I'm, like, sitting there watching it. And... I'm like trying to help because you're just like off doing shit and I feel so incredibly awkward because people, like I just felt like everyone was looking at this guy like, who is this fan or who is this fucking weirdo? Yeah. And I'm like trying to help like lighting, bring in like g and I was like, hey, can I help you guys? And they'd be like, yeah, here, grab this. And I'd like start, I'm like, where the fuck does this go? Like I had no idea. So I felt really inconvenienced to everybody and I was just like eating catering a lot and getting full and just like sitting there feeling weird. And then I see post who shot, BTS for your karate video and he was DITing Chris's video and I was like yo are you doing BTS again man because we became friends and he's like nah I got too many reds to handle like I gotta dump all the media I'm like can I borrow that your camera is it here and he's like yeah and I'm like cool and I'm like Andrew can I shoot the video like can I just film BTS and you guys didn't have anyone you're like okay okay and I was like, okay. So I went from Fly on the Wall to like right yeah. there with you, Chris. I'm like right around 7th Street and shit. Like all this stuff. I'm like, damn, this is a fucking insane. Like yeah. huge set. Which like I- is like, I
1: feel like the best way to... to- get on the front lines from like a sideways approach is like doing bts even diting through even diting also is a good way i feel like to be on sets of that size and have a a first row seat because as bts like you said you're right next to the artist you're right next to the director like you know and i feel like people need to if you get in a position like that uh take in everything you can like always be listening like use those opportunities to eat up as much as you can like listen to what people are saying and like you know really use opportunity as a way to like educate yourself and same thing as a dit you're the first person who car gets out of the camera you're the first person to get the footage and and look at it and, and see and it. but you get to you're sitting here and you get to see them shoot it right you get to mm-hmm. see the the where the lights are you get to see everybody work true then they hand the footage to you and then you get to see what they captured yeah so you get to see the entire process right and so that's why a lot of great dps i know like Ryan post is too started as dit's yeah um, that's my, true yeah my friend Arthur who went on to work on The Revenant he started as I two DIT also so BTS, DIT those are all good ways to learn and
0: if you don't know what DIT is because I know my mom listens to this so you're, that's just basically <laughs> the person gets the footage from the camera and organizes it on and backs it up on hard drives digital intermediate technician is that, I never even knew what it stood for yeah. Fuck it. <laughs> I went to the University of Northern Iowa. <laughs> I I didn't even learn that at school. Really? I learned that
1: yeah. I learned that on my first on my first Chris Brown video that I was producing. I had no Jesus idea what the fuck Christ. I was doing. You're but you're I just I, I acted Google. like I did. No, Damn. for real. Yeah. I'm literally sitting there like someone's, you know, asking me questions, i literally be like, Yeah, I turn around and i was like, How do you make a budget dang? <laughs> like, you know, Use your but, fucking
0: resources. Yeah, for real. That was such a fucking cool experience for me. And I I'm like nervous as shit because i'm using like a i don't know i think he had a 5d at the time and i'm like shooting on a 5d and i had ace or i had a sony damn i didn't have a sony i had a can 7 di am yeah is it time for wine i think so i think our coffee's getting kind of cool which doesn't fuck with me but yeah we're gonna pour out the wine baby but yeah i'm sitting there like just soaking this shit in and seeing and at the time it was really hard for me because i'm back home and i wanted to be out in this shit so badly and You opened up an opportunity for me that I that was never possible, and I knew it existed. Like I knew life. Cheers to the the wine! Shout out to that. Thanks for bringing that. Thanks Um, for uh, doing BTS that day. Yeah, no problem. (laughs) (laughs) But that was was crazy. I I go home, and I go back to Iowa to my regular fucking life of like being a musician and filming videos all the time and just doing that. I'm telling my friends, dude, I was fucking right there. It was insane. I saw. Two red cameras actually being used. I've never seen that before, which was insane. But no one owns a red in fucking Iowa. Yeah. Like that was fucking sick. Like there there was the, the ways they connected to the fucking tripods and shit. They had cranes, all this stuff. I was like, this is just it's sick. It makes too much fucking sense. And then um and then you like hit me and you're like, dude, the BTS looks fucking great. You should do more. And I'm like, Yeah how the fuck do I do that? I'm in Iowa. And I, and then I like flew, I actually was like traveling with the, my friend Travis Lloyd who does public speaking. He flew with, I flew with him to like, uh, I don't remember what state it was. And while I was there with him, you hit me like, hey, we have this Ariana Grande thing oh, that yeah. I'm directing. I was directing her tour visuals. Her tour visuals. And you're like, yeah. I'm directing her, her tour visuals. You should come and shoot BTS. And I don't think there was even like much of a budget at all. And I was still broke and I was like, fuck, do I s-? tickets are $1,000 to fly there. And I'm with my friend who I already committed to months before. I'm like, I couldn't do it and that's when I realized I was like I have to move to LA like I he just offered me another time to go film a for a superstar and be on set and do the same thing I just did because they liked it I'm like that was crazy they <laughs> fucking liked the footage I gotta go or whatever and you, then you rose the occasion man that's what it's about yeah that's true so yeah I came here and it, it, it goes back to we said earlier like if you
1: if you stay ready you never you never have to get ready so it's like you know, people get discouraged because they're not where they want to be, or because they're not directing a video of that size. But if you're practicing and doing everything you can every day, as if you're at that level, when those opportunities
0: come, you just knock it out of the park. Right. Because you don't have to just all of a sudden, yeah, try and figure it out. No, for sure. It, it's a. Uh, it's so funny how small the fucking world is. Um, just because, like, fast forwarding to now, like, you and Whitney are friends and shit, but you're not dating and we're now like live in the same yeah. area. Like this is like this compound or We're together or
1: every, every day. day. <laughs> For 14 hours a day so, sometimes. Yeah, so shout out to waiting on shit. Shout out yeah. to Wit. <laughs> wow, best thing to come out of that.
0: <laughs> she's like, fuck you, Andrew, <laughs> as she's listening to this. No, that's no cra- she's not going to get this far in the podcast. <laughs> yeah,
1: no. <laughs> uh, um, damn, that's really funny. Yeah, so just uh, to uh, get back on the timeline of shit, I was still working on Ryan's documentary, like you said, for like a year or two years.
0: Oh, yo, I just swallowed the wine wave. you are right? No, I swallowed the wine. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck. Go uh, Say what you're saying. No, I think you need to get some water. Water, wine, coffee. Life is good. Um, Life is good. Get back on the timeline. What were you saying? Fuck, Um, I fucking choked.
1: I was still finishing Ryan's documentary, but like like you said, it was like we didn't know. It was just something we decided to do after the fact, and we just kind of kept filming to hope that we could get more footage that footage that would finish the story. So, what do you
0: mean? You're finishing this as like all these Chris Brown videos are happening? Yeah,
1: not like – not. I don't think like during the Ariana stuff that we just got to, but a lot of the other projects that we're talking about, I was still like sporadically filming with Ryan. So mm. I'd be shooting video – I'd be shooting content for him to try and finish his doc. And at the same time was like my first run of all these music videos. So right. I would like – it was weird to – you know, I'm like on set with like Chris and Nikki or like whatever – Um, you know 2 chains, or artists I was working with and then the next day I would be like back with my 7D shooting BTS of this author who became like a best friend and like brother of mine right but at the time it was like very very weird you know that dichotomy of like the stardom the stardom and like producing these massive videos for these huge huge artists and the next day but like at that point we were so far into it like we had to finish it Yeah. so I was was juggling both at the same time
0: Um, I know a question that people would probably want to ask you is so you're working with Ryan, and most people always ask me questions about, like, how much should I charge for shit, you know? And mm-hmm. at the time, I, I know you told me that you were on some sort of retainer with him. Yeah. So, like, basically your entire time working with him, shooting these videos, you were on a retainer basis, basically? Yeah. So how do you, as a creator, to value your time, how do you go about choosing like what's right for you how would you create a budget for yourself you don't have to say the like exact at that of what you at that getting, point
1: in time like when yeah. you're
0: first like yeah before all the, gate, the videos and all this shit i mean it, you're also in the mix like for you what was it truly doing i mean first
1: it? off like you have to you have to sit down and create a budget for yourself in your life like what do i need to survive mm-hmm. like what's that number like that's the first place to start right what do i need to survive every month like what's my rent, rent what do i spend on insurance food? All this shit. like write it all out mm-hmm. figure out what that budget is and then once you have that number, be like, okay, so this is like this is my base. This is how much I, I know I need to make yeah. every month to live. Um,
0: and then and then twenty thousand dollars higher than that. Yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and then pad it.
0: Yeah, a lot. Yeah. No, that makes sense. I mean, and that's why I say all the time is like, what's your time worth, and yeah. what do you what would you like? It, it changes
1: over time, obviously, and it changes with like as your, you know, the your uh, body work increases and like mm-hmm. you become more in
0: demand. You got to protect
1: your time, protect your energy. Um, yeah, how
0: were you? How were you splitting that up? Was Ryan understanding? Like, you're like, dude, I'm fucking, I'm working on these videos. Yeah, it like- was
1: definitely weird. At, weird at first, because like when I first met Ryan, I was like, that was my only job. Yeah. I was like filming for him, and then I started to do all the stuff at the same time. It ended up working out really well because you know he loved that I was you know doing hip hop videos and all the stuff, and he loved hip hop and like he thought it was really cool. But at first, since he was paying me like on salary because of the deal I made with him, it was like kind of strange. Yeah, um, but like. I made it, I made it work and I was just working extra hard. Right. Like it wasn't like I was like, you know, Not I, I was, I was trying to do both fully. Mm. It, you know, it was like very little sleep. Yeah. <laughs> um, but like I was already so far in on that doc that we, I had to finish it. So like we just kept going.
0: So what do you, I mean like how much was left or what all did you, have, did you have to like leave LA? I you mean, like yeah, LA? I was
1: traveling all the time with Ryan, like across the country, even across the world sometimes. Um, but like as the music video started building up, that was kind of like finishing as well, um, and it kind of like pushed me to finish it because I knew I was ready for the next thing because the videos were, were I was just loving being on set, loving yeah. doing the music videos. It was everything I always wanted to do, um, but I still owed it to Ryan to finish that documentary. But it kind of gave me instead of incentive to finish it. Um, but that led to bigger things. But because of finishing that documentary. I um, ended up winning the Best Producer at the Beverly Hills Film Festival and first place at the LA Art House Film Festival. It ended and ended up doing really well unexpectedly. And because of that, that gave me the confidence that when that was done at that time, I'd work with Riveting and Chris on like 20 plus videos. It kind of was like a right time situation where that coming out being so successful for what it was yeah, uh, gave everybody confidence for me to tackle Chris's documentary. But
0: yeah, that, that kind of came, you were just kind of like, hey, we should... Look what I just did here. Yeah. I mean, I, I built
1: up a confidence from doing Ryan's documentary, and I feel like I learned the whole process that, like, you can't learn in class. You can, can't learn anywhere except by, like, grinding it out and doing it. Mm-hmm. Like, that the documentary process, I mean.
0: Yeah, but so you finished that first documentary, and how do you pitch Chris's doc?
1: I was just... I mean, at first, I pitched Andrew. Yeah. And then we took it to Chris. Um they was it, it was, was it
0: supposed to be a life story at that time or was it Chris's doc or yeah, Chris's doc. Christmas doc. Uh, we, we
1: didn't really have like a plan going into it. I you remember just, like writing like, the, the first show. I just wanted the yeah, the idea of doing Chris's doc. I don't know what it was. Even like, you know, a couple months into filming it and having footage in the can and I mm-hmm. uh, edited like the intro was the first thing I ever did. I still didn't know what the film was. Yeah, but right. I I like edited what I could to figure out the story and sometimes just that process of like just diving in and editing, not knowing what it's going to be sometimes mm-hmm. help you helps you figure it out yeah especially with documentary filmmaking because like editing is so huge yeah because like you can you can tell a completely different story in the editor room it's insane than what you planned for when you were just were there capturing content yeah so uh because of ryan's documentary i was on a high from you know the awards and from me going through that process it was such an accomplishment that we did it because it was like i said it was like a one-man band type situation we didn't, you know, it was super, super tough because of how tough Rhyme was on me to deliver a good product and the all the shit he made me go through to finish it in terms of, like, the, the tedious nature of, like, a million bajillion rough cuts. Oh, God. I remember, like, we would sit and, like, literally just listen to the documentary. Like, not even watch it, just listen and, like, take out every, like, extra like hum or like every extra at the time i hated it but looking back it's like that's what it takes to get to that next level of perfection yeah it's like, for sure he's like putting in that work
0: damn that's really dope yeah
1: like yeah it was crazy crazy, crazy process but because yeah but because of that process i felt like i could do it and i would like just went straight up to andrew and i was like yo have you ever thought you know has chris ever thought about doing a doc have you ever thought about it? i just did this one documentary let's see if chris will do it Andrew said yes. We took it to Chris, and he was he was into it.
0: Crazy. We started filming right out the gate. That's fucking crazy. Was the first yeah. thing you shot for Chris just that interview, the first interview? Because when I got there, um, that interview had already been. You've already captured that in a couple other interviews with some celebrities. No, we hadn't
1: even done that interview at the the very very first thing we shot. Usher uh, sure, or like Jamie Foxx? No, it wasn't any it? interviews yet. I feel like it was just like backstage at one of his shows.
0: Oh yeah, like Vegas like, or something. Yeah, or it I... was like
1: the first one of the first stops of his Between the Sheets tour. Yeah, I think with Trey Songs. Hmm. Um, because I had I had shot all the tour visuals for right. that tour. I think that was even before that was before you. Yeah, like it you moved to L.A. Yeah, because we, we worked on the next tour visuals, but this was the Trey Songs Chris right. Brown Between the Sheets tour that we shot all the, tu- the I produced all the tour visuals for it for like the big screen. Yeah, yeah, we shot that. Yeah, we shot that in L.A. And then we went to uh, like the LA show and the Vegas show and shot um, performance like performance yeah. backstage shit and, and all that. We hadn't done any interviews at that point, and that was like the first like footage I had to start the edit. And, and when so I that's the intro.
0: I my side of the story is I moved to LA, and Andrew is actually like I think you were in Amsterdam or something with um, Ryan. Yeah. So you was gone with Ryan filming, and I had just gotten here, and it was like very like stale. Like I. Right away, nothing was happening around me. I was at my homie Craig's house and everyone was just kind of mixing around. I'm like trying to learn who everyone is. And I'm just like sitting there, finished. I was actually finishing like a micro doc that I made about some like airport in Iowa, like a client that paid me. I'm finishing in LA. I'm living in LA and I'm working on this like farmer video back home and it's hot as a bitch. And I'm just sitting there and I'm like, what am I going to do? And everyone was like really smoking a shit ton of weed and just chilling. <laughs> and I was like, I can't do this every day. And then you call me and you, um, like yo, I I just landed. We should like meet up for a drink or something. And it was actually you, me, and Jordan Taylor Cut Films. Really? We linked up at a, a spot on Sunset, like right down the street. Yeah, Damn, that's crazy. Everything comes full circle. I know, right? So Taylor Cut, which was crazy wow. because you're like yo, you and I oh, remember this he was too. shooting
1: BTS for Usher. Yes. And so because I I did the New Flame video. New Flame. And yeah. that's uh, yeah, that's crazy. Wow.
0: So he met he met this Forgot dude who goes by Taylor Cut Films on the internet, Jordan. And it's funny because I had performed music with Time Flies, who is from New York. Jordan used to shoot shit for Timefly. So I had been following him for like ever. And when I would try to like impress you from Iowa, I'd be like flying my drone and getting this epic shots. I'd like send you clips on text and you were like, you should check out my friend's work. And you sent me his video or his Instagram. And I'm like, yo, I fucking know this dude. So when we sat down and met, I'm like, yo, I fucking already know your shit. Like I've been following. It was crazy. That was like my first time seeing someone from the internet, which was completely untouchable to me in a way. You know what I mean? Like he's just this dude that was making cool content. And I live in Iowa and I don't ever expect to see him. And it was, like, I saw, like, we all sat down for a drink and shit. And that was, like, my first time coming back. And you like, you should come to the office tomorrow. I'm, like, okay. <laughs> come to the office. And I'm, like, seeing fucking B T awards and – moon men and shit and i'm like you're like this is the doc so far and you yeah, start I like the intro yeah just the intro you're part. like three minutes and it was like chris sitting there and like it's the same intro that yeah. is in the movie right now it's like chris sitting there talking about like what it's like to before he performs and all of a sudden it's the song comes on and it's crazy and i'm watching and i'm like yo this is dope as fuck and i think you were just like having me chill and then i just started being like so you can do whatever you want with him like you <laughs> could you could tell him to like do something for this movie and he'll do it and you're like yeah and i'm like yo what if we did this? What if we did this? And then I'm like adding all the shit. You're like, you just kind of like, listen to me. You like, let me talk. And then from then on, you're like, come back tomorrow. And then every day for like the next nine fucking months. And that's the beginning. That's the beginning of me and Andrew's working career together. Yeah. Crazy. Wow. Blessed for the opportunity (laughs) dog. Because how fucking random is that? You're just like, Oh, my fucking girlfriend's friends in town. Like I'll just bring him to see this fucking exclusive documentary. About one of the most like controversial artists in the world. Nothing's random. Nothing is (laughs) random, I guess. Yeah, like, but super crazy. So we go and start doing that, and immediately Andrew's putting me on. Like right away, he'll introduce me to people. um, And you didn't have to be like, oh, this is Ben. Ben's dope at this, this, yeah. To to
1: be fair, though, at that time I really, really need someone to sync the footage.
0: (laughs) Yeah, so he (laughs) brought me miserable. He brought me in as like assistant editor.
1: At that point, I was doing everything. I was directing it and editing it, and it was so overwhelming. So you, when you came in, it was like a breath of fresh air because I was just living with it myself in this edit bay, like living with the footage yeah. and the cut. And to have you come in with the, like as a fresh as a breath of fresh air with ideas and be able to help me on the assistant edit side at first was like like life changing for the project.
0: Yeah, and for me, I it's like how you talked about your situation with Manler and and then Listerman. It's like you came in or any situation where you just come in and you don't even ask questions. You just say yes, and you're like man, I just hate fucking having to sync all this shit. And I'm like, I'll do it. Like, I'll figure it out. Let me do it. And then I'm yeah. in there and I'm like putting all this shit together that's so you right. could just hop in and start cutting. And that's when you're like, you should assistant edit this for me. And I'm like, oh, shit, cool. And then I'll pay $200. T- yeah, like 200 bucks. <laughs> like, I, I literally didn't ask for money. Like, yeah. I was like, holy shit. And I also talk about this a lot. And I've talked about it in a previous podcast. But I'm like, I knew the importance of a budget because, like, I imagine a situation like this happening, not with you per se, with just, like, in general, I knew something would happen, so I knew I needed to be here and exist, and I needed money to do that, so I, like, worked my ass off before I moved out here, made sure I got enough gear so I could say, hey, Andrew, I have a drone. Do you want to do this cool video real quick? You post on your Instagram, and then you'll probably love it and remember that forever, mm. or whoever I talked to. And so I worked really hard, got my drone, I got my 5D, I got all this shit, and moved out here with a budget so that I could Uber from the fucking valley yep. to Wilshire and meet you there and, like go buy myself lunch and shit. And then we're working and I'm like never asking for money. I yeah. literally didn't until you were like, yo, I'm going to see if I can get you some extra money. Like we didn't plan for you to be here. Like I didn't yeah. budget for this, for you to be here, but I'll try to help you out and shit. And, like the amount of money I made that doc's like really funny to me. Yeah. <laughs> if you look back, <laughs> yeah.
1: up, it's fucking crazy. But like, yeah, that doc, it was interesting because it was, it was kind of like a situation we we're figuring out as we, as we went. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like we went into it, uh, you know, with one, we didn't have a clear idea of what it was going to even be. Yeah. So how do you even budget for something like that? So it was like something that we're figuring out as we went. But that, again, that experience was like the next level of what I had done with Ryan. Yeah. And I just feel like every time now, it's just like you learn something from everything. And every next one, you take what you learned with you from the previous one, and it
0: just gets that much easier. That's crazy. And it's crazy, too, because as we're making Chris's film, we, it's so fun, because I like, now I, from this part of the story on, I've been literally, literally with this dude every, like, <laughs> before Lauren moved here, it would be like 17, 18 hours a day, like literally just night and day working on projects together and shit, just running gun and shoot shit, and it's crazy, because we worked on the doc for such a long time, because in the middle of doing the doc, you're also producing Chris's music videos and a bunch of other music videos, and by default, yeah. you're telling me to come, so then I'm coming, and I'm starting to shoot behind the scenes and doing shit like that, and we were doing it all. Everything. Like, and and then coming back and editing a documentary. And we have just hours and hours of interviews and, and all this archival footage. And so like Andrew would be sh- sitting there to trying show to show
1: people to to explain like how crazy it was. I feel like the pinnacle of the craziness was when we went to um was it was it was not Miami. We went to Miami after. It was his Kansas. hometown and was it Kansas yeah Kansas we flew City. to Kansas. Oh this is I feel is like that was like the pinnacle stories. of like when everything was because I was doing, I was still go, I was still doing all the video, all the videos that I was doing at the same time as I was doing this dog. I didn't slow down on, uh, we didn't no, slow we down. Did no, we, we did both. We were doing both, and then we were doing
0: Chris's. So we flew to Kansas for Chris's beginning of his um for, for an was, tour. We were doing
1: three three things for Chris at the same time. So we flew there one because we were filming his documentary there. We were filming interviews with his family. Uh, damn, I didn't even think about that. No, so we
0: weren't. We, we didn't film interviews with this family. With you his guys aunt, had done that. Right? No, you did that. Oh, in, I, I, um, yeah, I did that before. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Virginia.
1: So, but we're filming the show. Yeah, we filmed the show. We shot the tour visuals. We shot the tour visuals, which we had to finish editing with him in the arena. In the arena. And I had just finished all the royalty videos. So no, and you I, had
0: just finished the first two, and the, so we yeah had, yeah the we, first like part of the God series whatever. Damn it. So we had to. So we flew there. Like, Andrew no becomes sleep. sick as fuck. He oh becomes so deathly sick. Like literally, be- the day before we flew, we had just finished editing till like seven or eight a.m. with but Chris. Like, but
1: like, but keep in mind, like I had I shot the video. I produced a video. Produced the, videos, produced too, the so videos. We produced them. However two many videos. days that that was two videos. Yeah, people so are probably so annoyed of us trying to remember. this I know right it's crazy. Now. We just
0: did two videos. One video. All right. Listen, you tell <laughs> it. Take you it explain back, Take it, it back.
1: So we shot the videos, which with Chris, it's always like 16-hour days just because we go hard as hell to fucking create the dopest shit. So it was like 16-hour days, which you don't sleep, to shoot. Because of the turnaround, literally went straight from set to Kansas to finish editing the videos. The music videos. The music videos. I think you
0: had cracked one off before we flew to Kansas. You did uh, liquor. No sleep. We, we did um, oh, yeah. zero and liquor, and whatever one came first in the in the order on YouTube we edited that and that was my first time sitting in the session with andrew and chris and just seeing how like chris, how driven chris is yeah to get we, the we right didn't
1: product. even talk about that by the way i produce he produces direct edit I, I edit all of his videos i feel like i like like blacked out yeah that's because that was
0: like my door to editing music videos because then you'd be like yo come sit in with me on this and i'd see like chris be like yo cut here do this well blah, blah, it's like super intense and i was like oh shit!" and then like, sometimes andrew would be exhausted from literally like Produce all day and then go and edit till all fucking night, like nonstop editing. Chris just, I don't know how he does it. He's, He's just saying it, brrr, and he gets it done. And then, um and sometimes you'd have me be, like, you'd be like, "Yo, come do this, come do this." And that was my first time being able to be like, "Oh, cool." I come in and like do a speed ramp or something. I'm like, "Ooh, shit, <laughs> I just fucking got in on that bitch or whatever." But we like finished one video, so we did one all nighter. The next night we had to fly a red eye to Kansas, so we're bringing a hard drive with the second music video cuz Chris wants to finish it in Kansas while they're doing rehearsals to start their tour and then we brought a drive with all of the footage that he wants playing on the mega like the Megatron shit the big screens behind him then we bought we we're going to shoot too so we're bringing cameras to shoot all the tour visuals and then uh there was something else oh I had to int- I had to do the intro remember that yeah and it was just so fucking intense because we were so many deliverables and then we get there and I remember I had to edit the intro and everyone slept on the plane and i was like dying but i was like i have to fucking do well, this well
1: but you weren't supposed to edit the intro no like, i was
0: they were like yo can you edit this intro and no, i no, no
1: cuz i think i was supposed to i got sick so that's didn't i like tap you in and that's what was so crazy cuz it was your first time editing with chris
0: no okay this is what happened that's not, sorry guys, we should have recapped this <laughs> yeah. shit before we started talking. No, what happened, because this is fucking crazy, you have to understand. What happened was, while we were finishing it, you were like, yo, c- would you want to edit the intro to this? You, I, I always make those little montage things, you guys you are you're like, yeah, that's yeah. dope, can you do this one? I'm like, okay, cool. So I I started doing it the day after we had edited all night long, before we were supposed to hop on this plane. I didn't even know I was going to Kansas City. So then, you're like, oh hey, can you come here and just like help us out? Like, carry batteries or whatever while we shoot, shit, just do whatever, and so... I'm like, yeah, and I'm cutting that video and it's like not done yet. And then you guys told me to get all the footage so I get all of it and we hop on a fucking plane. I almost missed my fucking flight. We hop on the plane. Everyone's dead. Just You're starting to get super sick. Then we land and right away they're like, Andrew, we have a room right here with um that we want you to set up the computer to do the music videos. And we also have this table that Chris wants to work at for like the tour visuals. And so you're like, yo, you go here. <laughs> Dude, I swear to God, I remember yeah. how dead you looked and you literally just like – you were like, "Yo, you go there, and I'm gonna go set up the shit in that room." And I'm yeah. like, "Okay." And I walk in there, and they're like, "Hey, Chris is gonna be here in three seconds. Um, he wants to sit down and go through all that, vi- all the, all his old music videos and make them on the big screen." I'm like, "How the fuck do you do that?" And Chris walked up and we literally edited for like nine hours and I kept just like looking back to be like where the fuck is Andrew at dog and you were like sick throwing up in the back room waiting for Chris to but like, also finishing editing the, yeah, vi- the music you're videos, trying to like get so it same, done get
1: it into a point where like because when Chris set, like sits in it's like you gotta be ready to go yeah like if it's not you're it's you're just like <laughs> die you're like between like oh. editing
0: rendering on a laptop sleeping just dying in the back room I'm sitting here banging out this video we didn't sleep for like I think it was like forty one hours or something yeah and and we finished all the tour visuals at literally like as the people were piling into yeah. the, i was running a fucking usb drive to the the video guy with the God. final files and the tour visuals
1: it was fucking insane such, but how crazy I, I remember now it's so crazy i haven't we haven't talked about the story in so long but like seeing it it was su- like you said it was such a close deadline between like when we finished it and like literally like the first time we saw it on the big screen was when was when the show started but Dude, like that was the seeing best it on the big feeling, screen bro. the feeling we're just like oh My God. And then and then the intro, but then also all the tour visuals where it play all the music videos that that I had produced over with Rivet yeah. over the past like however many years and seeing all that on the big stream was like 20, the, big, the biggest people, payoff 20,000 people screaming I remember we were it's actually same.
0: backstage Chris is backstage with all the dancers they're doing like their huddle prayer and we're filming it and they're like one, two, three oh, and they do the thing and they, they all start going out to the stage and it's pitch black out and I remember we were, all getting, right? yeah, we were all getting shuffled out to the thing and I like forgot at this point that I had created that intro <laughs> and we all shuffle out and I remember we're like going back to the VIP spot which is like the back of the venue and as we get into The like alley where actual people are at, I like turn around and I see my countdown timer five, four, and everyone's ah. And my video starts, and I'm like, Oh shit, (laughs) I'm like watching the video. I'm like, A, is it gonna play through all the way? Is it normal? Is it it gonna work? And B, I'm just like, Fuck, I just spent like so much time doing that shit on an airplane and I see it play. I don't even know where all you guys are going. I'm just standing there getting like hit by people (laughs) and shit. And I turned to a kid that was sitting at the the thing and I was like, Yo he's like looking at me like, dude, I'm fucking watching the show. I'm like, I made that shit. And he's like, what? I'm like, I fucking just made that shit yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, that's fucking tight. He turns to his friend like, yo, he made that shit. And I was like, damn. And I like look around and I just see 20,000 people. I'm like, it's crazy. I'm from Iowa. I live five hours damn. from the city that we're in right now. But I've been living on a floor in LA with on an air mattress with the holes. And I made that mm. shit. You know what I mean, yeah, that was fucking incredible. And then, and then we, yeah, we finished and flew home and fucking crazy. kept working. We kept making the documentary. Yeah. yeah, fuck, man, we put in the amount of shit we've done in the last two yeah. two and a half years. It's crazy because like I'm,
1: I'm so bad at like, especially then I was so bad at like, like, putting what I did like out to the world because mm. like I I I just have like the mentality of like I just want to keep my head down and work and I don't like think of myself as like. A brand or like you know like I didn't have the same mentality and I saw that right away yeah so I, I feel like people don't really know like the grind and like the amount of shit like that we done like we've done the past three years like I does anybody know we even did those tour visuals now they do I guess. yeah I know because we're gonna <laughs> it's crazy it's that's like, what that's everything what. moves so fast it's like like right after that like you said we go back in the dock and it's just like everything moves so
0: quickly and that's what opened my mind to stuff because I, I was coming to it from a completely different world where you were like you know five more hours is out and you're getting millions of views 200 million views and i'm saying like dude people are commenting about something you made like people are talking and like it's almost like in la by the time that video drops we're already onto another project and it's like we don't ever have the time to like reflect or mm-hmm. try to self promote i guess or whatever but it's so important to do that shit because there's so many people that could that are watching that like think about us. when we were watching these videos you were thinking who the fuck shoots this shit? I'm just ready Anthony for the next Manler. You know what I mean? But you were thinking about it back then. Like, Anthony Man. Yeah, you looked yeah. up to him. And at this point, these videos come out so much and like so, if you don't promote any of that shit, people are like, who the fuck did all that shit? Yeah. Who produced that? Who did this? Who did that? And it's like, you have to dive in. So I'm always telling Andrew, I'm like, dude, you have to fucking get your IG up. I we have still to suck start- at it. He but- still sucks <laughs> at it. I'm like, come on, we gotta do this shit. And then I also remember wanting to do so many things with chris because i because i think at that point you're look at you live you fucking were with worked with steven spielberg and you're directing this documentary and i'm like dude what if we did we should like take chris to a school and find a bully kid and have him like help the kid out for the day and like make everyone fucking jealous that this kid got to chill and shit and like or go to a mall and run through the mall and you're like i don't think people would really go that crazy if he was at the mall i'm like what are you talking about? You're like, yeah, if he went to the Grove or something, like no one, I don't think anyone was going to go that crazy. It's LA. And I'm like, what does that mean? Yeah. And now I see it like where you see a famous person walk through the mall and you're like, oh, there's that guy. And no one's like, Hi! it It's so good to have that perspective though. Of Is it? Like,
1: because I'm so desensitized to that sometimes just being around it all the time. It was good to have that like perspective and like i still take that with me too like when i think of concepts or i think of shit it's like sometimes you have to like forget that you know that artist and think like really pull yourself out of the equation to be able to think of like what the best concept is or think how to like plug that artist into you know like a idea so sick um it's that's
0: what made i mean the duo our duo is really sick because eventually you set me in as like a co-editor with you and like Fuck, I don't know how long that movie took us to make. I mean, it came out this year, and and we finished it so long ago. Yeah, we were
1: finishing it while we are starting our next documentary. Yeah, we were. (laughs) We
0: literally started our second documentary with Mary J. Blige, which was sick too. And that one, you brought me in as a co-editor with you, and I was shooting second cam, which was Mm -hmm. cool. And we literally were in the studio with Mary J. for like fucking months, just filming her making her album and shit. And so you go from – think about how crazy it is. You go from Ryan Blair making a documentary – that you didn't even really know you're gonna make until towards the end, mm. to doing Chris's doc, straight into doing Mary's doc. We're working on our, your fourth, my third doc right now. That's a trip. Like yeah. you started making these feature-length documentaries. I you know? never
1: even thought I would do documentaries. It's such a weird or music videos. No, I always knew I wanted to do music videos because all my favorite directors who I like idolize had that path, and so I always knew my my I wanted my path to be mm-hmm. music videos. Commercials and then film and TV, cause like you know that's what Mandler did, that's what Mike even Michael Bay did, um, crazy. So many of my of my favorite directors. Um, so that was always my path. It's just crazy like how it happened and how it happened so quickly. But I was I was so blessed though to be able to to not just like direct, cause I feel like if I if I had only directed, like I it would it would have been a crazy ride. But like I wouldn't have literally had the experiences I've had if it, if I wasn't also a producer. Mm. Because like all the videos I've directed are dope and they're really cool and I'm you know really like i am proud of my directing, you know uh, real or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but a lot of my favorite memories and opportunities were because I was a producer in the music video world. Like you said, it's on the it's the front line. It's the it's the same shit. Like right. you're, you're you know you're touching the same shit. Yeah, absolutely. You know, like I got to go to, to London with my co to produce a Mary J Blige video. Oh yeah, I forgot that. Which is about like that. the craziest experience. Keep in mind, I'm still like in my early mid twenties too. At that time, yeah.
0: What I mean, you get there and there's like so a like, crew there for you, right? Yeah, it was insane. What was it? And like I was working with Mary the, like, for the lead
1: producer, time? like from LA with Mike. Like we get flown to London. We like the, we land and we go straight to Mary's hotel. We're gonna pick out wardrobe, and that was just like the craziest. I actually had produced a video for her before that, the suitcase video. Yeah. I don't know if you remember that. Yeah, so we I do did remember. Mary Blair like, suitcase video yeah. before we did we did a video in London, but just like that was my first experience going out of the country. Like on that level to shoot something like that. Hmm. You know, like I've been on the country with Ryan and shit, but this was different. Like yeah, they cool. flew us there, and there's, a, like you said, a crew there waiting, and like you're it's like the real deal. That Damn. was really cool. Crazy Fuck. experience. So, what was yeah. it like
0: getting because Mary basically had seen um, an early version of Chris's doc, I believe, that kind of or had known that we were doing something with Chris and heard through the grapevine that it was like sick and so she reached out and wanted you to direct that, right? Uh, How'd that happen? We. I don't fucking remember. Which I always kind of pointed at because earlier, right before that, you had already done those jobs, so she was already working with you guys. Um, Riveting had gotten hired to ha- like shoot some show shit or whatever. She performed with Taylor Swift at Staples Center, and Alex was shooting that, Alex, Alexander Nakishin, yeah. And he he's DP'd Chris's dog, Mary's dog. He's doing Lewis's doc too. And um, he basically was at, it was right after we got home from Kansas and we were eating like Kansas catering and shit with Chris. And he texts me like, yo, I'm at Staples Center. You should come down here. The catering's way better and I can get you in. You got to try this food. That was literally, it wasn't like, yo, I'm around Taylor Swift right now and a bunch of celebrities that she's bringing through. It's like the catering's lit. So I was like, okay, cool. So I grabbed my camera bag and he's like, I'll try to get you in with your bag, but security might not let you. We go down, Get to a uh, Staples Center and basically like I had my 5D and he had his red and he was shooting. I remember like at one point we were in the hallway and Mary's in the room and they're like, "Oh, you guys have like 35 minutes, 40 minutes before we do anything." Alex started taking his p- part of his red and he's like re-set- rebuilding it basically, and she walks out and like go, 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 and I look at Alex and I was like, "It's gonna take me like at least eight minutes before this thing's up and running." I grab my five D out of the bag and just run with her. And you roast the occasion, man. I roast like, the occasion.
1: That's how it happens. Is not so, that like, crazy? It's crazy, like because a lot of people ask me, like, how do you, like, how do you do it? How do you break through? How do you, you know, whatever, whatever? Yeah. And it's like sometimes, like, this is this is how it happens. It's mm-hmm. like. Like, again, it's, like, if you stay ready, you don't have to get ready. It's, like, yeah. when, when preparation meets opportunity, right? Preparation equals luck. I don't know all these fucking is. memes. But, like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's, like, luck happens, like, if you're ready for it and you rise to the occasion, like, that's how you break through. That's exactly what you fucking You know, and it's, happen. like, you just got to be ready, to, like, to just say yes and just kill it. Yep. And that's how you get pulled up. Like, that's how you make, like, break through, in my opinion, is, like, to get pulled up by somebody. But you only get pulled up by somebody if, if like, a situation like, like that happens.
0: Yeah and you say yes till you can say no like that's literally and then if that happens you're in a fucking good position but yeah man that was crazy because I ran out and shot I think I captured the moment when her and Taylor saw each other for the first time that day yeah oh hi and they start hugging and shit and I'm just like holy fuck this is Mary J. Blige Taylor Swift I'm in the room Taylor looks fucking she's really tall she's like way taller than I thought she was and shit I'm like this is crazy (laughs) and I always say this it goes back to it because I'll summarize that story I ended up shooting second cam, they only had hired one camera and I just shot with my 5 d to see what I could do and I remember Alex was going to follow Mary as she like rose from the stage and I just like was going to wing it and they didn't let any cameras, we weren't allowed to go in the, in the venue except for when Mary played. So they weren't going to let us in before Mary started playing mm-hmm. to like set up I snuck in with my 5D and got, like, in between the stage and the speakers and just put a 5D in between two speakers and, like, set it up and started shooting. And I caught Taylor saying some, like, emotional awesome shit about Mary's song that they were singing together. Yeah. And, like, filmed that part. And when I cut the video, that, like, made the video. Yeah.
1: Like, that 5D Dude, that's, clip. That's something I tell people all the time is, like, I'm from the school of thought where uh, always uh, never ask for permission, always beg for forgiveness. Yeah. Like... Get it done by any 100%. means necessary and just don't. Safely. Add, like, don't like, kill yourself or get yeah, someone in like, trouble. Within reason, of course. But, yeah. like. But what's the worst thing i going to do? Tell yeah, me no? Exactly.
0: Like, go until you you're told no. Like, it's not going to yeah. get you killed or nothing. Like,. But that was crazy. And Then our, then they saw the video that I edited because I later ended up editing it. And they're like, oh, Mary cried and Taylor cried and all this shit. I'm like, holy fuck, they watched my shit. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? I'm thinking, holy fuck. And then later on with you producing all our videos and then the buzz of this shit. And I feel like it has something to do with Mary. Just like, oh, you said that was cool and emotional. Then she's like always thinking about us. Yeah. And then that's when she's like, Andrew should do the yeah. doc. And you're like, okay, let's do it. Yeah, it was just right timing again. Fuck, that was crazy. Yep. That was dope because we had all kinds of people coming through the studio too and we're capturing all that. And then to not speed through this because I I don't want this to be a crazy long podcast because I know your time yeah, is valuable. Of us just like, like reflecting and reminiscing. But like, it's <laughs> tight because
1: I think that this is like... I mean, yeah. I mean, I hope people enjoy listening to us reminiscing. Fuck, man. Cool.
0: I don't know. But it's like crazy to me because we finished Mary's doc... While we're doing Mary's Duck, it's the same situation again for you because you were putting together like this massive Mm. music video series that you were going to do with Mary, which was initially supposed to be like a movie, like every song, blah, blah, blah. I don't know what happened with budgets and all this shit, but then it will be like one or two videos. But like the entire time, you're sitting there putting together these insane pitches for it while we're cutting the video. So it's like nonstop, never sleeping, putting this whole film together, ridiculousness shit. And um, it was crazy because halfway... like basically the movie was done we finished the film we're like oh cool which that's a good feeling when we finish Chris's film there's like a clip somewhere and I'll wait till we make our documentary <laughs> about ourselves but there's a video that me and Andrew have where we like fucking pop this bottle of someone champagne that we just found in the office we're like da the movie's done and then it still had like six more months to <laughs> tell us actually technically finish yep. but we finished Mary's film and then her and her husband go through a divorce and then they're like you can come film if you want and we like Ran back to the studio and started shooting some emotional shit with her and Neo. That's what made the documentary. And that made the fucking documentary. Yeah. The documentary was tight. And then that shit, like we had thought it was done. And then we had to literally go and rebuild the movie, which was insane. But some people are lazy and I think that would have fucked us completely on that film. If we didn't get it. If we just didn't go back. For sure. Because it was cool. It, it was great to us, but that made it s- insane. Like that was yeah. an insane experience for her to happen to have it's doc- gone.
1: It's documentary filming. He's got to be ready, ready for it. Ready all the
0: thing. time and willing to like be involved. But now those two films finish. And it's funny because Mary's doc ends up actually coming out before Chris's film. Right? Yeah. What happened with that? Because I feel like I keep, I'm recapping a lot and I want you to recap instead of me. So I can drink uh, this wine.
1: Well, we finished, I mean, it was about a year, I I think about a year between when we finished Chris's film and and before it actually came out because it was just such a, uh, the topic was so controversial and like we wanted to make sure it had the right platform to release on that could get like the most attention and like just be the right place for it. Yeah. So it just took a really, really long time. And during that time that we finished it and when it finally came out, we literally did a whole nother documentary and that came out before uh, first on vh1 yeah before which and was the craziest feeling yeah. dude that show was, was yeah it was our crazy fucking we had doc. Spent like three years on chris's doc and this was mary's was i feel like what was it, like a like, six month process yeah. or whatever it was yeah. probably like seven came, months. came out first i was i was talking to the sound designer tony Crow the other day and he does like massive like films and like like all kinds of cool shit and uh he said to me he goes Yo, uh, by the way, just so you know, Mary's film last year was probably the fav- my most favorite
0: project I worked on last really? year. Really? And yeah, and he does huge movies. That's fucking tight. Yeah. It's a really good... I mean, she's so fucking wise, and if you can hear... It's unfortunate because right now, the doc basically premiered on VH1 for w- literally one night, and you had 24 hours to watch it. If you don't watch it on VH1, you were, it's over with, but... And I think they're seeking distribution now. Maybe they'll do Netflix at some point in time. So I wish you guys could see it. But nah, we'll put it up somewhere. Yeah, just come to our house. <laughs> we'll and send watch a private it. link. Yeah, on the group or whatever. Don't hit me up about it. I'm not. I'm literally not going to send it to you. <laughs> <laughs> like I know people will actually be like, "Hey, send me the link." No fucking shot. But I email eventually. Shannon at. No, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it, it was crazy because it it debuted and then Chris's doc finally came out. And it came out in theaters. So we literally had, which was dope. Because shout out to our boy Ryan, he has a movie theater. Philippi, at Philippi Sorry, Ryan has a movie at, a movie theater, and we've worked with Ryan Philippe on a couple of videos before. If you don't know Ryan, look him up. He crushed. How do you not know Ryan? Some people are just fucking kids, dog. Some kids are kids and don't use the internet. It's a legend. Yeah, Cruel Intentions. Watch that. Watch McGruber. <laughs> I, me and Ryan yeah. will talk about this. He said he wants to be on the podcast, so I'll get him on the shit. Yeah. But anyway. We go to Ryan's house to watch the movie our our shit premiere in his home theater, like in the top of the hills, which was so fucking nice of him. It was just so dope because it was like twelve of us homies just sitting there mm. watching our movie play on fucking national television while my family and my friends and shit are like hitting us up and like dog fuck the That's movie cool. dog. And then, but it, it was it was crazy because like you said, Chris hasn't
1: come out yet, so it was our first yeah. experience creating something on that like magnitude because like it, it's a whole different ball game, like a. a feature film from a, a music video. Like, a music video is cool. You can you put, you know, a day or two into it. It goes online, like you said, a lot of views. But, like, we put, like, s- like six months or more into s- in these projects. Chris's three years. So, Suck. to be able to, like, see that, that, I think that was the first time we were able to see something that we worked on that long. Yeah. Projected, like, into places that family and friends could... See like you know the same everyone, of, yeah. anyone who wanted to. Because you spend so much time like in a dark edit bay or like
0: whatever the case is, like like just us two, and like, no one understands how hectic it is until the final delivery. Like you were delivering the final films because I was on tour with you Q, to myself, so it's I couldn't crazy. even see. I didn't even know. Like as we're watching it, I'm like, I fucking hope this is good. And <laughs> yeah. even when you hear it, there's like things where you like, <clears throat> shit. I wish I would have done this, or I wish I would have tweaked <clears throat> this, or we should. Can we do this still? That's too fucking late. It's on VH1. You know what I mean? But it's like yeah. You're so stoked to see your shit come out. And then I don't know how long it was after that because it was literally like a month or two and Chris's came out. And that was the fucking dopest shit ever because it's like, damn, we have two in the bag that came out within a month and a half period or something like that. To sit, to turn around and say, hey, our documentary that we did was on VH1 and then also on motherfucking theaters, literally yeah, theaters. So it came
1: out uh, on over, it was over 400 theaters worldwide. So first twenty five. Yeah. So first, it was in the U.S. Yeah. And then it came out in Mexico and then the U.K. But that premiere was like they killed that premiere, like riveting and gravitas and uh, fathom everything behind that. Like that premiere was insane because we sold out. How many seats
0: was that? I think it was like eleven 1, hundred or two. Was it two thousand?
1: I think two thousand. It was 2, like 000, a shit ton of people. Two thousand. It was like one of those theaters that has like two levels, of like, balcony, and whatever. That was just like the craziest experience, like one of the best nights of my life, I think.
0: That's what I was going to say. What you was know, i like I never,
1: I never posted that picture of Chris where he's like at the very end of the film, like stands up and puts his hand up. You know what I'm talking yeah, about? Yeah, yeah. He like turned around to post and thanked that, everyone. Because that like really represents the whole night of like, uh, just like of the peak of like everything that that whole process came to have made all the stress and everything for the two years Two, three plus. years, however, plus, however long it was, like, worth it. Like, they just did a really, really good yeah. job with how they That's organized awesome. it and how they, because the whole balcony was fans and then down below was like friends and family and whatnot. But, which was perfect because, like, the energy of the fans and then, like, friends and family and below was like the They were just so energy. happy.
0: Everyone was so happy to finally see it and, and it, it played it, so well. It, like it crushed it looked, the theater. It, it was, it's one of those massive
1: screens. So it looked amazing. It sounded amazing. It was just a cool experience. And I, I hope, and it, like, gave me, Like, more life. give (laughs) It gave me, like, more life to, like, keep doing this because, like, that feeling to be able to be, like, to be stuck in edit bay or stuck in that process for, like, so long.
0: Questioning yourself over and over again. And it was
1: even my first experience doing that because, like, even Ryan's doc, or, yeah, Ryan's doc came out on YouTube and, like, even all the music videos I did, it's, like, they go on YouTube and you never get to, like, experience or feel with an audience watching it, it's like yeah. you put it out there. Maybe that's why I'm so like desensitized, like you said, or like right. it's not crazy to me that 100 million people watch the videos because you're not there with them. It's True. just like a number on a laptop to me. Hmm. That's crazy. I mean? But then to be in that theater with 2,000 people watching at the same time as you and like hearing people like cheer at the parts that you wanted them to cheer at when you were editing. I it. love that. And to be able to hear, look over and see a girl crying at the part that you, when you're editing, you're like, man, I hope... I hope this is where girls tear up and to see those things happen, and I'm getting goosebumps. Just thinking I know, about me attitude. too, because it's
0: like we planned for that. shit. Yeah,
1: and like to me, like I, I hope, I hope that fil- like filmmakers, like other people who are on the same path as us, or like want to do what we do or make documentaries or make films, don't give up before they get to that point, because that point makes it all worth
0: it. Super worth it. And it was like the biggest boost. Just yeah, it was crazy because we walk in and it's a red carpet. And we walk in. And there's just media and fucking the backdrop with the thing, and it's just Andrew, 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 and, it, and I watched it. I'm like, oh fuck, this is fu- fucking funny. Like this is funny. And then and then when we sit down, you're just doing mad press and shit. Me and Lauren are like fucking outcasts. Like what the fuck do we do here? I'm underdressed. I bought this fucking blazer from H and M. Yeah, I won't fucking lie. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like a fucking. You're it after. No, I think I have it somewhere. I should wear it again. Yeah, to the office. The so. next premiere. Yeah, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah, what if I only from any premiere we ever do, I just wear that one H H&M? and Oh All right, fuck it. I'm committing to that right now. Um, but I remember sitting in the theater, and it's crazy because like we're sitting there, and you come walking in with Tyga, and sit. He comes yeah. and sits next to us. Chris, well,
1: let's let's talk about first. Uh, Terrence J, which is another mentor the coolest, I didn't talk about. coolest shit. I feel like
0: I, I skipped over him. Yeah, let's talk about like, tech. Uh
1: going back to mentorship, real quick, I want to touch on it because it's so so fucking important, man. Like Ryan was my first mentor out of out of college, period. I didn't, you know, other, other than Kristen earlier, right. but Ryan and then you know Wilmer, who was my next mentor who took me under his wing and and like introduced me to so many important people and like really treated me like his little brother. Like he yeah. saw something in me that that no one uh, else did and not yeah, <laughs> yeah no one else did but like he saw something being like really really like uh to like put me on a different pedestal when pedestal when i hadn't earned it yet right right which is important um and then terrence jay who i met later on who uh, was another mentor of mine, who again, like, took me under his wing and introduced me to so many people. And that's what it's about. It's about, like, connecting the dots between people and, and everything. That's all this industry is. That's mm-hmm. literally all it is, is, is connecting dots and figuring out how to make it work. And even that night, to go to that night, Terrence uh, opened up the film. Mind
0: you, he- Terrence is, like, the biggest host ever on, on television. Like, yeah. 106 and Park hosted that bitch forever. Like, partnership with VH1 MTV's a superstar yeah. in that Yeah. So line. he he was out, he
1: was out of the he was out of the state and then I saw on his, his Instagram that he had just landed this is like an hour before the premiere, 2 hours before the premiere and I I called him up and he picked up and I was like, "Yo, uh this premiere is tonight. Is there any way like you can come uh you don't have to walk through a carpet, like do anything, like can you just come and say a couple words before the film cuz that's his specialty." Like right, right. I've I've traveled with him also across the country and filmed for him watched him um, speak and do press and delivers. And, and, and delivers all the time, and I'm like, there's nobody else that would kill like right, would. and it was like no question. He's like, where is it at? What time? I'm there he came he did the red carpet which he didn't have to do he, he said so this, much cool shit. so much cool shit about him he walked with me took it was my first time i remember seeing him in the bathroom actually and i was like in there and he walks in i was like he could tell i was like so nervous and i asked him i was like dude like does this get any better like do you, you do this all the time does it get better and, like <laughs> he he laughed at me and he's like yeah and then it gets better he's, right like, he, but he told me he's like just take it all in and like enjoy the moment like this is your night that's crazy. and that was like that was the worst he said to me and it was just like so fun. weird bathroom story but it was so cool and then he he walked the through a carpet with me sword. and like said all this dope shit and then he went and introduced the film which like set set up i feel like the audience it raised like, the it bar raised the bar so high like changed the experience completely he literally so, said shout out to terrence thank he you he literally that. That said
0: if you don't uh yeah. like this film go kill yourself yeah <laughs> i was like whoa what the fuck and then yeah. he said it again yeah he's like i'm serious go kill yeah. yourself we're like oh shit everyone's like what yeah, they played the fucking movie. That was such a yeah. dope intro, dude. Because he yeah. made he's like, "Where's Andrew? At? Andrew, come down here." Yeah. And you he, like walk down there, like all shy and shit. And he's like, "This yeah. is the best motherfucking director in the city." Yada yada. He directed this film. Everyone was going crazy. Chris stands up and like says some words like, "Yo, thank you for coming." Blah blah. blah. Shout out to everyone. Thank you for doing this. Yada, yada. That damn, that was such a night, man. That was like to it was just like it was a movie. It, it was, was so it was scary, crazy. like to see the movie play in its entirety for people, like more than four people. Yeah. 'Cause that's it. We only ever played the movie for like Chris, his friends, like maybe the room would be packed up with like seven, eight people, that would be it max, and it's like you have two thousand people watching a film you worked forever on and you just hope it plays and resonates right and it did and people hear Chris's story with Rihanna for the first time ever.
1: Doesn't that change the game for you though? Like you feel like having having had that experience, working on projects now and in the future, being able to have the whole process from A to Z, does it change like the the feeling going into your next stock or like next project you're like so much more confident right the confidence is through the roof it's like you you want to just like do better the next time and exceed that so you can get to that same point and just have it like have that feeling
0: yeah and we did we liked it's crazy because we didn't have that experience before we started our second documentary which (coughs) feels like it doesn't make sense but it makes sense in hollywood rules because like just took so long to deliver Chris's film but to finally go and do Mary's and then Mary's finally comes out and you're just like holy shit like I just remember Lauren looking at me like damn this is cool yeah. and I was like cool if you think this is cool then I don't feel like a motherfucking nerd no more you <laughs> know what i mean but like that was it it was just like seeing that yeah. and then we're all just enjoying well, the shit
1: making a movie is such a weird a weird experience and process because for so long it's like you're just alone in this process. I mean, you're with your crew, you're with like your other editor whatever the case is. But like, as far as friends and family, like nobody understands that experience of like being in this zone and this like having this tunnel vision for that long of yeah. a period on like a feature film. You live so in I'm, that world for
0: so long. Yeah
1: you, yeah, you live in it with nobody else outside of that, that little tight world being able to see anything. So it's like when you experience people being able to see it i feel like it just changes the game it's because, insane yeah
0: and i think it's funny too because we, we look at like fast forward to now we have such a i don't know we've done so much shit since then and to like reflect on it and to see like Doug, we were nominated or not nominated but we got in selection to be nominated for a grammy for those for both of those documentaries yeah which we didn't make the cut shout out to fucking um what's that shit called the defiant ones for taking our spot. Yeah, it's a weird climate for I think uh for like uh, a, a documentary about a guy that went through what he did. Yeah, and, yeah. But I mean, Mary's doc got submitted, Chris's doc got submitted to the fucking Grammys, and we're at least in a selection. And I remember hearing from someone on the inside that said there was like maybe eighty-five films that were submitted for that selection or that section, and we had two. We had two. Yeah. That's fucking crazy. I think. we were same like same year. Yeah. Four got picked. Four. Just to be in the arena of that is fucking crazy to look back on and just to yeah. like, be like, damn, we really worked on some shit. Yeah. Plus, we're on Netflix. And we're that's on motherfucking like, Netflix. <laughs> oh, yeah. And we're on Netflix. That came yeah. out last month, right? October, uh, November, October. Yeah, October yeah, it was, 6th. Like, right for my birthday. Yeah. Fuck. Our movie's on Netflix, which is so crazy. Dude, that's like, yeah. it just keeps getting like, you keep looking at it. And it's super weird because it's like, you can't even really soak it in. Do you feel that ever? Like, isn't it crazy to know, like, if you walked around and most people are, like, watching shit yeah. and then you're like, hey, I made a movie and it's on Netflix right now. I'd be like, really? Yeah. People would say that shit, like, but you don't think like that. Yeah. I mean, it's,
1: yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's fucking awesome. <laughs> but by the same token, like, I think it's important to, like, have your moment appreciated and be proud of it and then be on to the next and not, like, st- I feel like a Sit lot of people get stuck it. in, like, their accolades and, like, never get to the next thing because they're so yeah stuck in, like, whatever that accomplishment was. Which is great, but we're on
0: to the next. What would you like, say? What how, how how would you get to the next section? Like how do you get over that? What would be your biggest advice just, to someone? Just like
1: be self aware. Just know. Be like like have your moment and like set set a term. Be like, I'm gonna I'm gonna like absorb this experience, I'm gonna take it in. And then either like when that next project starts, it's like that's your focus and like
0: you you know appreciated yeah. what you did and, and move on. <sighs> Damn, it sucks because there's so much more that we could talk about. Yeah. But we're like <laughs> at two hours. I wonder already. if anybody's gotten to this far. How long has it been? Me we and Cal did this last time where we got to like the end and we said like if anyone got to this point, say hashtag butt cheese to us on Twitter. Nice. And several people have said butt cheese. So All right. So what do you want them to say if they got this far? Ooh. Hashtag. Oh, uh... Wine and coffee? Donald Trump? I don't know.
1: <laughs> yeah, if you if you got this far, say hashtag
0: Donald Trump. I don't know. That literally hashtag Donald Trump. I, I don't, don't know. know. Um, because we're at the two hour mark. If you got here, we fuck with you. But I think like I don't want to. Thanks rap-
1: for listening to us uh, reminisce.
0: Yeah, it's been fun because I yeah. mean we had such a wild ride and we're still like not even close yeah. to being done. Like I in- hope
1: that people can take from our story and like take parts of it to like apply to whatever like part of their journey that they're in you know whether it's like the beginning where we started of like you know college or raptor college or yeah. like having working on your first film people get something from it
0: i want to still highlight moments that i can recall um where like how random and how important it is to be involved in like us like to be where your shit's at so to better mm. explain that we want to be in LA and we want to work here and we and, and sometimes it's hard. Like where I'm just like, damn, it'd be better to just go home. And there's those moments where like the time where you and I, I think, I honestly think this is when we finished Chris's doc. I think we came home. We we're like, holy shit, the movie's done. And we went into, our friend Anthony hit us up and he worked at Chateau Marmont. Yeah. Or whatever. Yeah. And he's like, yo, come down and I'll get you guys some free drinks. And we're like, Cool. So we walk down to the bar, this cool club, which, mind you, any outfit I own probably isn't acceptable to wear there. It's tight enough like that. And we go in there and we're chilling. And Anthony walks up to this dude right away. And I hear the comment, like, bro, your shoes are so fucking rad. And I look at his shoes, and his shoes are like torn up chucks or something like that. And right away I was like, God damn it, this is such an LA place to go, like where people think old shoes are cool. And they started talking forever and you and me like sat there kind of like laughing because I looked at the guy and I thought like, damn, this dude looks like kind of homeless low-key. Like he's got like torn up clothes and looks like he's wearing cheaper shit than I am. That's This is kind of crazy. And Anthony loves the guy. And they talk for so long we're sitting there like kind of making a joke about it. And then finally we're like, okay, he, he's about to get his drinks. Let's go talk to him. And we walk up and as we walk up, Anthony's like, oh, these are my friends, Andrew. Andrew's directed Chris's dog. This is Ben. He helped him edit it and all the shit. And like we go and shake it, and you're like, hey man, yeah, I know you, blah, blah, blah. And you you like say a line. And I'm like, as he's shaking my hand, he's like introducing himself. He's like, hey, I'm Donald. And I take off this like homeless beard that he had on and the fucking ugly sweater and all the shit. And I'm like, This is motherfucking Donald Glover. Yeah. One of my favorite rappers, like directors ever. And we just casually were talking to him and you connected the small world and we're like oh i know this person we worked on this thing or whatever you i think you worked on one of his music videos yeah What what was that um i can't remember the name of it. i think it was the one with it because we shot it one take through the diner yeah it was the diner video and you like reshot. but you like connected off that and then i love this part because you're like yeah man i'm um directing chris's doc chris brown's documentary and he's like uh he said go figure and you're like what do you mean and he's like it's crazy because I meet so many people that I've worked with on set. Like I could work with like a fucking gaffer or something. And later they'll run into me and be like, Hey, I was a gaffer on your music video. And then I did this and I'm just like, go figure. Like just (laughs) crazy to me. And he's like, I'll have to come check it out and whatever, like linked up that way. And just like, was like, cool. Good work, man. Like you made it like you're, I'm going to Atlanta tomorrow, to shoot this new show I'm doing. Yeah. You know what I mean? That was it. We're like, okay. Yeah, we're like, sweet, dude, see you later. And yeah. I was just like, holy fuck. But just being, that's, that's right. those are the times where I remind yeah. myself like how important it is to like get through the certain struggles to like be involved here and stay For sure. relevant or present, I guess. You know, not like go out and club every night, but there's reasons why, you know? Yeah. I don't yeah, know.
1: How. I, yeah, I feel like you're right. I think a lot of people, when they feel like the taste of success or feel like they got to that next level or whatever, it feel they feel like they don't have to keep pushing, or they don't have to be here. They don't have to like, um, I guess, stay relevant. But yeah. not like a bad word, like a, you know what I mean. Like, um, but I feel like it's important. Like when you do get that taste for that next level, you have to push even even harder. Mm-hmm. Yeah. By 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 being here, by you know, being present, and by like you know, connecting dots, connecting taking dots meetings, and, and all exactly. Shit. Especially I mean, now, I mean, yeah, that's yeah, exactly. Taking meetings and like using the momentum that you have. To get to the next the next thing,
0: and it's cool because now we're like getting into this position where we can like give back in a, in a in a way where we were the ones like trying to take and people were giving to us, and now we're like giving back and trying to find ways like this shit right here, yeah. or just meeting with kids that are on the up and coming that are creators that we could fuck with on a different level and try to get people involved in stuff. I feel like yeah. that's so important, but
1: and I, I like I also like want people to realize that people ask like what's the secret or what like how do I get to this point, point? Mm-hmm. and I guess. Like, my answer to that is everybody's journey is different. So, again, if you made it this far and you listen to our story, like, I hope you can take parts of it and apply it to, like, your own journey. But know that, like, you shouldn't be sitting there comparing yourself to our journey because no two journeys are the same. And there is no one way to get to that end goal, whatever that is in this industry. Yeah. Yeah. Period. That's a fucking There's good so point. There's so many ways in. And you just got to, like, listen to every story and, and be present and take in everything and, like, take a little bit from this person. Take yeah. a little bit from this person. That's really, like, also, like, what I learned from from Wilmer, too, is, like, Wilmer, he, like, all the success he's had and, like, he's just so, he's so grounded. And, like, I learned so much. I take so much, like, from him of, like, how he carries himself and the things he does and how he connects people. And from every mentor I've had, I take a little bit from them and I make it my own. Right. So don't try and be somebody else. Don't don't compare yourself to other people. Just take what you think applies to you and apply that to your own journey. And just have faith that you'll get to where you need to be.
0: 100. Donald Trump, I
1: don't know. You got questions for me from Facebook?
0: Yeah, I do. Cool. Um, but I wanted to wrap up with like, uh, I know since the documentaries have come out, we, st- we both started co-directing a documentary for our homie Lewis House. We don't want to give too much of that away. Um, what else have you been not doing? I know you've been doing a lot of branded content with, like, Jordan and some other projects that you're putting together right now, documentary stuff. What's your plans for the future? Like, what are you, what are you hoping for? for? I know what the we're doing future. together.
1: Man. Um, so, let's see. I got to a point where I feel like um, we were doing so much all the time, like we just talked about, Right. And I got to a point where I realized that I needed to just slow down a little bit and be still and really consider, like, the projects I want to do. Because mm-hmm. um, I feel like it is good to do everything and take everything on. And, like, we did kill it and grind, and right? But at some point, like, you're going to hit a wall or you're going to crash. You're going to, you know, whatever the case is. And when you get to that that point where you're able to just kind of, like, take a quick break, I feel like it's really important to know when it's that time to take a break and, like, really, really think about what the next move is. So that's where I'm at right now. And I really want to get back to, like, script like scripted narrative. So I'm working a lot
0: on writing and reading scripts right now. Um, Dude, he's got a lot of cool shit in the works right now, which are unfolding and going to be dope.
1: Yeah. So I'm taking the time to really, like, put work into my craft and get back to the scripted side because we were doing those docs for so long. They demanded so much of our attention. Um, I still want to do music docs and you know, we have a few on our plate right now. And I think the next move is to just decide what kind of stories you want to tell and what we want to put our energy toward. Cause I think that we've learned that when you say yes to something, you take on a project there, you're either all in or you're all out yeah, and 100%. you can't underestimate the amount of like time and energy that it's going to take. To kill it on a level that's gonna get you to the next level. Mm. So
0: yeah, does that answer your question? I don't fucking know. <laughs> I wanna. I, I fucking love this interview. This yeah. is so fun because this is cool. I like it. Good. I'm glad. I you're don't. Fun. I don't
1: do this a lot, so I'm super stoked to get to do like I guess my first podcast with you. It's cool.
0: Thanks, dude. I really love popping cherries for people's first podcast. Ooh, it's well, so more wine. cool. Uh yeah. We're almost it. done with we'll this, right? More wine for the questions. So. I let everyone in the black, the private black window cream group. If you're listening to us, you don't know what that is. I probably explained at the beginning, so you know now. But I let everyone have a chance to try to ask questions, and I didn't think because you know sometimes people are busy and shit. and When I post them last minute, I didn't know, I forgot to post it until an hour before you came in here to record this shit. But I got kind of a gang of questions, so answer these as quick as you want. I think don't take too long because we're already at two hours. Can you like cut stuff out of this? Hell Maybe no. Maybe like trim so, some of the stories. From I don't earlier? do post work. I edit. I just put in the shit. Pull some graphics. Like I. I, I mean, I guess like if you made time. it
1: this far. You're just you know you have no choice but to keep listening. All right, go for it. All
0: right. So anyway, Kavika says, wait, <laughs> can you guys do it shirtless? <laughs> I saw that you idiot. That's our VFX the artist. Is yes, but you should ask that first. I know. Yeah, we didn't read this until now, so. We can start taking our – nah, Uh, pause. Um, Jordan Bailey says, was there ever a time in the beginning when you thought that this wasn't going to work? And if so, what pushed you to keep going?
1: Never. Ever? I always knew it was going to work. Even at my lowest, lowest points. Because there's been times like it's it's crazy. Even though I'm doing like some of the biggest videos on the planet, you ride this high and then you ride these lows too. And I feel like it's so important to realize and know that that's completely normal in this Mm. industry and it's okay to be on top of the world and doing big shit one day and then like the next day be like fuck i don't have anything else lined up or like uh you like have you hit these these lows yeah but even with even with those lows i never doubted that it wasn't gonna work out and i think Mm. that's so important to just trust the process and know that it's like project and manifest that it's gonna happen no matter what right and if you put in the work like you
0: can't you can't cheat the grind like it's gonna work out no i fuck with that I, how, how hard was it? We, so it was cool because when Chris's doc came out, we got to go to USC and you got mm-hmm. to screen the film at your school. So we went to the theater and we had the craziest experience because this is our first time screening the movie. <laughs> well, second since it came out and we had this girl stand up. Uh, uh, she was a young woman, women's rights activist and kind of grilled you. Grilled all of us, because it was you, me, and Kevin, yeah. right? And we're sitting there, um, just, we play the film, and the guy asks us some questions, and I guess there was a girl that was pretty upset about it. How, is it. how is it dealing with such a controversial film, where people think that you shouldn't make the film in general, just because of how fucked up the situation was? How do you take that as a documentary filmmaker?
1: You, I feel like you can't let that affect you at all. As long as it starts a conversation, you did your job. Like you can't go about, you know, choosing what kind of films you want to make or topics you want to touch because it's controversial or because it might offend people. Mm-hmm. That's what filmmaking is for. Right. You're gonna offend people. You're gonna start conversations, and I feel like if you play safe, you're gonna make really boring films. One hundred percent. And and to add on to that, real quick, we didn't we never set out to make a film about domestic violence or abuse. We simply set out to make a film that created a platform for Chris to speak on his
0: life and i feel he deserved that platform which was the first time he's ever truly or not truly but it was the first time he's ever opened up about it in general like that was the first time he ever talked about that incident with rihanna on camera it was very crazy and i just knew how insane that that's that was a whole nother story but just that it wasn't insane that she had asked us the question it was just intense to deal with someone that it was so close to home Mm -hmm. and who felt like we were doing a uh disjustice to by making the film
1: yeah and just so people people know who might not know this we actually did ask rihanna to be in the film and she almost was in the film and she actually approved the fact we're making the film and ended up not chose not to be in the film because uh she wanted this to just be chris's point of view I thought she couldn't do it because of
0: schedule. I thought we had like two days where we were supposed to interview her and like she, we literally couldn't no, make I, it happen. I mean,
1: we could have, I mean, you can always make anything happen. Whatever. But yeah. I think
0: it came down to like, it didn't work out schedule wise.
1: And then she just like decided. like that would uh, it be a story. It's probably better if I'm, if i which I think per, as a, as a, the director, I feel like it is worked out better that way. I'm actually glad that it was just Chris's side and didn't become this like he said, she said yeah. type of, because we didn't set out to make like a TMZ gossip film. No, like, fuck it, that. You know? So I'm glad that it didn't turn into that.
0: And at this point, and we did include it, she had already shared her version of the story on Oprah. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And Chris came on Larry King, which we show part, or was it Larry King? Yeah. Chris came on Larry King and that was his first time and only time really coming on to talk about it. He didn't really talk about it. He just came on to apologize and that was all it really was. Yeah. So we did technically have a piece of, pretty much what rihanna would. Yeah, but also i mean about.
1: this film it, the, this film isn't about the incident no the incident is just one small part of this film which is about chris's life story and it's a very important part but if we did interview her or whatever or if we spend more time on a lot of people ask like why did you only spend this you know much time on on that topic well because it we didn't want you know we didn't want it to turn into a film just about that yeah for so sure so i think i think looking back i think it's the perfect balance of everything
0: no i love the i love the way we dress it um Taylor Marie says, what is the worst experience he's had with a celebrity? Like them being rude or difficult? <laughs> uh, I'm not going to go into detail. I think every you, everybody every celebrity has, their day. has their own day,
1: <laughs> their own ups and downs. And you just learn that it's a part
0: of the business and, and you go with it. Um, my homie, Jay Morales, he says, biggest time he's ever fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> When's the biggest time? Uh,
1: I don't know if I've I've ever fucked up because I feel like every everything that might be looked at or considered a fuck up, it's never a fuck up. It's like every every fuck up becomes a learning experience, and you learn from every time you mess up. And to be honest with you, it's like I think part of this craft and part of this skill is making fuck ups work. And sometimes mm. my biggest fuck ups become like the coolest shit that I'm most proud of. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, and embrace that shit. Yeah, one hundred percent. Um, don't be afraid to fail because that shit could be like like let yourself fail. Because you could end up in the editor room and be like, "Holy shit, I just did this music video last week where they're kicking us out of the location," and literally, literally, the the manager of the the restaurant was pulling the lights out of the the um, sockets, or whatever, because like we weren't stopping rolling, and he was like, "You guys are done." And then all of a sudden, like he pulled. There's only one light on. And I'm like, holy shit, this looks way fucking better than like really? all when the, for Ariani's video. Oh yeah. And so the, the the take we used was like when it was only the the one light that was left on because the manager of the restaurant unplugged the rest. That's
0: so fucking. So funny. it's like
1: em- embrace those moments because sometimes those imperfections become like the dopest. Shit. Yeah,
0: that's crazy. Damn, that's funny. That's a good story. Yeah. When's that video come out? December first. Cool. Um. Uh. Amrit, I don't. I'm so bad at saying names, dude. Emirat Singh says uh, Andy. I like how he calls you Andy. What the? He's already like getting there with you, Andy. Wow. How much of your success do you attribute to directional hustle and skill as opposed to lucky breaks plus chance opportunities?
1: They all go hand in hand. I agree. That's period. Embrace so, it all.
0: So that's it. They all intersect. Yeah. <laughs> they all I do. Mean, it's I, crazy. They like, all intersect. Like, yeah. I don't. Yeah, it's all about <laughs> uh, yeah you It's right time right place, all that shit. Yeah, um, I think we touched on that too. In no, I know, you know we. Like do, I know prepared. a lot. Yeah, I just want to bang through these so that they get to hear yep. their name. Chris, uh, Chris Dummer said, and he, he's a homie from Iowa. He just this dude just shot my sister's wedding for me like literally last minute. Shout yep. out to this dude for doing that. Shout out. Got another story of how you guys linked up. I already explained that. Did that. Check. Um Adam just said, please don't forget about this moment, Ben, and post the million dollar kid. <laughs> Check, he saw just, that which is so funny was that dog really there when you took this picture everyone can look at this on the internet the answer is no
1: i was uh
0: green screen green
1: screen literally the most uncomfortable thing ever Laying flat on stacked apple boxes. Really, I remember. I remember this. I, I don't like. I remember the most random shit. I remember, like laying flat on apple boxes in front of a green screen. I was like twelve years old, no idea what the fuck was going on, having to like arch my back a certain way, yeah. and like being so uncomfortable, and
0: not understanding why I had to be this in this awkward like Superman pose. <laughs> this picture is so uh, good. That happened. <laughs> All okay. right, yeah, I'll post that in the show notes. Everyone needs to take a look. Um, Jake said, "What was the first film you ever watched that inspired you to direct?" Shout out to Drake. Or er, to Drake. Shout out to Jake. I wish I got Drake on the podcast. He was on episode like four or five. Chris Brown's photographer. Check that out. Uh,
1: there were so many, but one that really sticks out is Sunset Boulevard. Really?
0: Yeah. I think I had to watch that in a film class I took at my yeah. community college. It really, really stands out. Cool. Yeah. Uh, Grayson Turner says, love hearing the start where they came from and how they came up. We covered that. <laughs> yeah, we did. Rewind three hours. Yeah, just go back to three hours ago. <laughs> Nico says, What was the breakout moment in your career? What are things um that you do to stand out from other photographers? So he thinks you're a photog. Yeah. He takes pictures every I once mean, of f- a while.
1: Film is really twenty four photographs per second, so smart. I guess I guess Ass. he's right
0: on. Good man. Well um, You've already heard all this, guys. I'm, I'm sorry. I read it. I'm just reading it as I go. So I'm, I know we hit some of these points. Damn, I missed my gap. I had great questions. Nope. Uh Sean, you could have asked your question right now. <laughs> I'm reading it right now. Uh Aaron says, what would you say was the most important factor to your success? When do you think? What would, yeah, like identify that. I know we've talked about everything, but like most what would you say? important factor was mentorship. I was going to say mentorship and motherfucking hustle. Yeah. 100%. Cool. Yep. Josh Thomas says, how have your experiences been working with friends in this industry? Is it easy to keep personal and business views separated?
1: Working with friends in the industry. Don't work with somebody because of your friendship. Work with somebody because of their talent. And if you're friends, it's just a fucking bonus. Hell yeah. Cool. Yeah, because it would really suck if you work with somebody because of their friendship. And then it turns out you don't share the same, like, creative, like, views or talent. And then you're just in a really awkward situation. Well,
0: and I love how – I remember a long time ago you were talking about how, for our relationship, how we work well together. Because it's like we come from two completely different backgrounds, so we check each other. Yeah. And, like, we might get into it over some stupid shit and, like, a headbutt. Like our fucking computer just <laughs> two days ago.
1: We'll do another podcast tomorrow. That's another just three about. hours just about that fucking computer.
0: Shout out to the PC if you we can,
1: built. look if if you if you can get over over the fact you're gonna like bump heads with people and if you can get like I think like the cool thing about us and like other people I work with too is like know that you're gonna bump heads and that's a fucking great thing. Yeah. Like I hate I hate people who who th- who yes, man. think that bumping heads is like a negative thing or, or a bad thing and they can't get past that. Mm-hmm. But I think like great uh great results come from being able to bump heads, come up with a conclusion from that, and then move on the next day, like that fight or that whatever never happened. Yeah. Because it that's what this is if yeah. we're passionate, we're artists, we're that shit's gonna happen.
0: Right. I fuck Period. with that. Um the last comment is uh that I'm gonna read right now is Yulia. I don't know how to say that name. Yulia. I don't even know if that's a guy or a girl. But that person says tell him that we love him with the heart emoji. Uh-huh. Wow, thank you. He says thank you if you wow. didn't hear him say that. <laughs> now I wanna know if it's a girl or a guy. I don't know. You'll
1: have to check it out. Um cool. All right. I know it's been three hours, but I feel hours. like two hours. We spent a lot of time reminiscing. I told you earlier I was at the gym right before this on oh, the yeah. on the Stairmaster, and no, I feel wasn't. like when I
0: he was walking on the treadmill it was, it was looking very, at was at very, very low speed. Okay. Like, very low speed. Andrew says he goes to this expensive gym, but we all have this, like, theory that he just goes there and looks at hot chicks and checks his emails. And walk
1: and on the Stairmaster at wa- very low speed. Walks.
0: And just looks at Instagram. Um,
1: <laughs> so I was on, uh, I was sitting on a bench. Yeah.
0: And uh, of course <laughs> he was sitting on a fucking bench. Uh, yeah. What was it working
1: out your ass? The uh, fuck? Man, I, I knew this would happen where we would reminisce the whole time. And I wanted to make sure that I wrote down 10, ten takeaways for filmmakers uh, of like things that I've learned that I think are important. So I wrote down the first 10 important things that came to my mind. And this is I'm, a it's motherfucking phone, exclusive. If you want to grab my phone. Yeah. Right where's bro. your
0: phone at? Uh, I think Lorem put it over there. Maybe. God damn it! So far, all right. Hold on, Andrew. While I go and get this, talk about the the funniest moment that's ever happened to you. The it's funniest, ever like to Yeah, me? the funniest. Talk because people are just gonna sit here bored as fuck. Wait. Oh man! All right. Funniest
1: moment. Funniest moment that's ever happened to me. Oh look, there's my phone. <laughs> <laughs> all right.
0: Pardon the interruption.
1: This has been another black and right. cream podcast. So these are, these aren't stories. These are actually
0: ten takeaways. Uh, if you're a filmmaker, hold on, hold on, hold on, let me do it right. Yeah, I just have to make sure I do it right because.
1: All right, cool. All right, so the this is ten takeaways uh, for filmmakers or directors, I guess specifically. Number one, know your motherfucking crew members by name.
0: Ooh. It's such a small,
1: stupid thing, but you will feel like such a dumbass if you're on set. People are busting their ass, and you don't know somebody's name when you got to give a specific direction to or talk to somebody on a basic human level. If you don't, if you aren't able to memorize their name or it's new crew members, do what I do and keep a pocket-sized call sheet in your back pocket. And before you you converse with somebody you don't know, look at that call sheet real quick because it makes such a fucking difference for somebody who's busting their ass for you and you're just like, hey, you. Yep. So know your crew members by name. They are the lifeblood of your film or project, whatever you're working on. It. True. Rule, rule number two. Be prepared for hundreds of questions per day. You are now the question answerer in chief. You have to have an opinion because filmmaking is really just a series of questions, of yes or no questions all day. And those questions are what separates filmmakers. Right. You can give two filmmakers the same exact song, the same exact budget, but it's how they answer answer those questions throughout the day that will give you two completely different videos. True. So just be ready for that. Right. Rule number three, don't be afraid to say that you don't know the answer. A lot of people will like have an ego or like as a director, you feel like you need to know everything. But the reality is that you don't fucking know everything. True. The reason why you spend all this time creating a team and hiring these expensive ass crew people, uh, hopefully expensive because you want to get to that level of right. like you're the best people on set is because you want to utilize them. So right. don't be afraid to say you don't know the answer. Uh, and use, use your crew to answer those questions. Caveat to that, which I've learned over time is if you don't know the answer, and you need to your crew's help with the question. Just don't do it in front of talent. Yes, yeah, walk offside. <laughs> walk off. You walk to the walk side. off to the side. A lot of people like a lot of people do. forget that because don't forget like talent are artists too. They're emotional beings, and if they're present while you're trying to figure it out, it might change their mood or energy. You mm-hmm. don't want to like affect their performance. So walk away and figure that shit out. But just don't be afraid to not know the answer. Fuck with that. Rule number four: Hydrate throughout the day. yep People take this shit for granted, but like we said in this whole podcast of like how grueling these, this is. And like even that one time I got sick when we were working for 41 hours straight. Mm-hmm. You have to fucking remember to hydrate and take care of yourself. Yeah. So whether it's like – whether taking care of yourself means like you got to go to the gym every day or hydrating yourself or vitamins or whatever. Sleep like, on the couch. Don't renders. think you're invincible. Yeah. Like, you got to hydrate, take care of yourself. Number five. Uh, remove your ego and create stars around you. Mm. Develop talent. If your team shines, the brighter they shine, the brighter you will shine. Look I at feel me. Like, exactly. <laughs> I feel like a lot, of, a lot of people are afraid to put those around them, put them on. Or because, collaborate. Or in collaborate a way, right? in yeah. fear of that they will leave you or whatever. And if you operate from a place of fear, you will never be successful. Yeah, shut your shit down. Trust the process and trust that if you come from a genuine place and put those people on, it will come back tenfold. Mm-hmm. Uh, rule number six. Uh, don't be afraid to make decisions at the last moment. Fuck yeah. Your intuition is always fucking correct. Always trust your intuition and don't overthink it because sometimes, like we said a little bit earlier, last-minute decisions or fuck-ups are like the best things that will happen yep. to you. Uh, rule number seven. Say no to the hundred people who want to stop by your editing room daily. You know this. It's fucking hard though. <laughs> especially especially actors, talent, and financiers. It's tough, but editing is the most inventive part of the whole process. In my opinion, you got to keep it sacred. Right, right, right. I learned this through trial, trial and error because mm-hmm. naturally as a creator... You want to show your work, even if you're like editing a music video and you're like halfway done. And you're just fucking stoked like, on oh, it. Oh, and you're excited. I mean, you want to show show your friend. Yep. But the worst thing that can happen is you show somebody who is is not a visionary, not a visionary, not, yep. a visionary, not yep. the same level as you, and they give you some sort of feedback that just kills the whole process yep. for you every time. So keep the editing process sacred. Mm-hmm.
0: These uh, are good. Yeah, you wrote this from a bench, <laughs>
1: from the treadmill.
0: I mean, stair climber. I mean, oh, yeah. I the, mean, oh uh, yeah, he doesn't know what the fuck is. He's, he's like, no I didn't even go
1: to the gym. Uh, no, I, I do this at the gym. Uh, just because I, I know I suck when it's like spur of the moment shit. and I want to make sure I hit provide this something. Stuff, no, provide things that are important. Uh, rule number eight. This is really important. Okay, especially over like, all a lengthy, pr- like lengthy career, or whatever. Right, right. I do this. So remind yourself why you're telling the story every moment on the way to set. Why is it important to you? And what do you want to say? Every morning on the way to set, whether you're in the car, you're in your trailer, whatever it is, have that self-talk with yourself and remind remind yourself why you're doing this, yep. why you're here and what's the story you want to tell. Because on set you have, you know, hundred crew people, you have all this shit going on in this craziness and that drive to set for me is so sacred because it's the only time that you have just with yourself before andrew 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 so how i it sounds stupid but i I literally talk out loud to myself in the car and i literally set my intention for the day what what is the goal i want to achieve that day what is the story i want to tell and on a on a macro level why are you doing this because sometimes we forget why we are doing this in the first place Mm -hmm. right because sometimes you get carried away by like You know, you're on set, like, I just want a dope shot, which is cool, but, like, don't forget why you're doing this. You want to connect, like, emotionally. You want to tell a story. Like, there's a bigger reason why you started, and never forget that. Yeah. So, I I try and do that now. I I had to learn this over time, because I get, I used to get so, like, carried away by other shit, because you get distracted by a million things, and people pulling you in every direction, and then you do things for the wrong reason, and then, like, all this shit happens. So, like, it's so important just to have that self-talk with yourself, and remind yourself, why are you doing this in the first place? Yeah. Why did Why Why did you want to do film? Mm-hmm. And carry that with you throughout the day, and you'll make all the right decisions inherently. I fuck with that. Nine rule number nine: <sighs> Keep spirits high, and always thank your crew at the end of each day.
0: Yes, I love that. So no
1: matter what you're going through on set as as a director, even if 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 like you're going through something crushing that uh, people don't know about, about like, you know that techno crane's broken Mm -hmm. and you and the techno operator are the only people who know it. And you want to like cry because your whole second half of the day was based on that techno crane. You know that it's broken. Do your best to still, no matter what, keep everybody's spirits high, smile, laugh, be contagious, keep that energy because that energy will transcend into your your work. Yeah, for sure.
0: I love that too. And I uh, like, I think, Cal does this a lot, and which is easy to talk about just because he was on the last episode. But every time I ever saw him walk onto a music video set, he would literally go up to every single person, and be like, "Hey, man, thank you so much for fucking coming, bro. I really appreciate he, you working the." Yeah, who also point. does that is Ryan Philp.
1: Oh yeah, that was true, and, and that's actually when it sparks in my head because uh, when I produced that music video for him, mm-hmm. he he did that to every every crew person, and it, it like reminded me of like, "Damn, this is why we're here. This is why we're doing this." Yeah. Like, he is so good. And probably because he's been doing this since he was like ten years Forever. old, right? But like he is so good at making every person on the set feel like they're special, and that's actually the next point of this was that it's so important to keep that positive energy because respect and gratitude go a long way. Because no film, no music video, nothing is made alone. Right. As much right. as you think it's all around you because you're the fucking director, yeah, yeah. No, it's made by a team and it's made by collaboration, Effort. and it's your job as a director. To keep that energy positive, even if you don't know what the fuck the next shot is. Yeah. Actually, have you seen Spielberg's doc yet?
0: Yeah, I just watched it like last week. He, says, he
1: said the coolest thing is Spielberg, or he didn't say it, but uh, they said Spielberg still to this day wo- acts and works like he works for Spielberg. That's crazy. That like resonated so much with me. And, like mm-hmm. you can never take that for granted. Right. That's um. Final one. Uh, appreciate, acknowledge, give feedback. That goes the last thing. What, last, what last thing oh I was no, like that, that was 10 like, no, no. I was like yeah no, 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 no. Is it? That was, sorry that was part of the last one of like keeping spirits high right was like always appreciate acknowledge your crew but like most importantly give feedback okay. at the end of the day
0: this is good like I don't like don't, don't like
1: don't hold shit in like if you know like your DP didn't um, deliver that day or like Give positive feedback, but also just give feedback in general. Yeah, absolutely. Like connect to your crew and let them know what they're doing right and they're doing wrong, but do it in a way that's like positive feedback, so you can go into the next day with like them still feeling confident and good and like. Yeah, you don't
0: want them salty and like no. fucking angry at you for just saying some negative shit. On yeah, when they're stressed be, out.
1: Don't be negative, but still give like feedback that can like a like learning contribute. Way. It you has. To, you have to learn from this shit. Yeah, and that goes like thanking them in of the day, and like everyone yeah, yeah. to deal with it. Everybody to like teach your own like right. how you deal with it, but. Yep. As a director, like you are the centerpiece and like the everything revolves around you. Mm-hmm. So all these points that I'm saying right now are all based around like you being the center point of everything. Yeah. Like, people take that for granted because your energy transcends. Right. It's your vision at yeah. the end of the day. It's the project or whatever you're creating is in your head. And it's your responsibility to get it from your head to your your computer or yeah, your right, TV. Right. And these are all steps that I think are important to like get it there as seamlessly like as possible no i sense. fuck with that shit last thing number 10 <laughs> most
0: important is trust the process own your shit and knock it out of the fucking park hell yeah god you heard it first motherfucker <laughs> there's a black with no cream podcast coming with all the exclusive fucking tips and tricks for everybody to fucking learn from Woo! this one was a fucking good one it's fun i love this oh yeah um, if you're still listening to this now, I know you sent us a hashtag earlier because you got to the two hour mark, but we're at two thirty-one, So if you got this far. The oh, new hashtag man. is Andrew. Please provide. No,
1: you provide this one.
0: Hashtag. So you said Donald Trump hashtag please. No. Damn. What should, damn. That's hard to come up with. Why do I just do that to people? What about just like hashtag black with no cream? No. Cause they already said that anyway. Yeah. Maybe this one is like hashtag. I miss Obama. That's it. Damn. I do. I miss not having to hear about my president every day. <laughs> I didn't hear Stay about it. Stay
1: tuned for the next episode. Yeah. <laughs> no creep.
0: This is fun, Ben. I appreciate you doing this. No, thank you, dog. I, I love you. you homie. Back. Thank you for Keep everything you've done for me and shit. Cause you're a fucking legend and put me on like for real. This dude is the reason why. I'm gonna I'm gonna I want you to post
1: this notes of the 10 things on your face on the Facebook page because I think it's important. Oh yeah, for sure I will cool.
0: Well I'm gonna use it as like a clickbait first because I need them to hear this first. (laughs) So I'm gonna say it's somewhere in there. You just gotta find it, and then eventually I'll expose it. Love it. That's it. How do you want to end this? Appreciate
1: everybody who tuned in. How can they find you? Uh find me on Instagram at Andrew underscore Sandler. Um I love when people send me DMs, comment on my shit because I'm so bad at social media. So the more I get from people, the more it helps me figure out how to like provide information and knowledge
0: from all the shit we just talked about. Yeah. So
1: if you have questions, you want to reach out, just do it.
0: My favorite is that the other day Andrew's, Andrew posted on his Instagram story and said, should I pro- <laughs> should I post more about my day to day on Instagram? And he put the yes or no voting thing and like 70% people said No. <laughs> Damn, I was like, Savages. including me, I was like, Savages. yeah, that shit was so fucking funny. So anyway, he's trying to figure it out, guys. He's kind of like, but yeah, shoot, shoot my man as a DM and make yeah. him feel good. But Andrew's got all the tips, all the tricks. You're gonna see him on more big screens because that's what we chasing after. I'll see you at the office in six hours. Yeah. Fuck. <laughs> all right, I'll see you in the morning. Thanks, so out. Bye. 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 That's it for episode eight with Andrew Sandler. Thank you for tuning in and listening. Make sure to follow Andrew on all platforms. I've shared his links in the show notes, which you can find at blackwindowcream.com podcast. Leave a review on iTunes and let me know what you loved about the interview. If you're interested in joining Black Window Cream's private group for creators, visit blackwindowcream.com join. Just fill out the form and you guys can get in the group. We would love to have you. And last but not least, buy some fucking ill-ass merch. Every sale helps me keep this thing alive. Subscribe to Black Window Cream. New episodes every Sunday. See you next week, you bitch!